senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Uh, this is episode 97, and uh, yep, it's somehow it's that time of year again. Good evening. Broadcasting live to tape from the beautiful, half-finished Crisis on Infinite Midlives studio in Boston, Massachusetts. It's the second annual Crises Awards. That's right, celebrating the best, the worst, the most goddamn baffling moments in comic books and genre entertainment from 2015. Featuring live performances from such luminaries as Guns N' Roses featuring <laughs> Axl Rose and a blow-up doll he calls Slash. Wait, what? You heard me. Jethro Tull's Ian Anderson's Skin Flute. Steve Ditko's Sense of Moral Ambiguity. You started naming your beers? <laughs> Dirty Dancing Baby Groot. What? Hayden Christensen and the Chafing ass sands. And Nicolas Cage. And now, your hosts. That's screwed. Your host is us. Uh, Hi. It's Rob and Amanda. I said it before, I'll say it again. That was so fancy. I feel like I should be wearing pants. No, no pants on this show. I insist. That's how we set ourselves aside, set ourselves apart from people who actually know what the fuck they're doing. Do our award show in our underwear. Exactly. It's an award show with only two people, two pantsless people. Naked and shivering. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, we did this last year. Uh, this year, uh, for good or ill, uh, no guests. It's just us this year. Just the way things worked out. What, what didn't help is yeah, Amanda and I are both as sick as idiots. Well, been- you might have remembered last week's show that I did very high on Sudafed and... Uh, I'm still on Sudafed, although it no longer has the the thrill that it did on day one of, of the Sudafed. <laughs> the crowd loves that shit. Patronize me. <laughs> All right, we'll do it this way. <laughs> is that a golf clap or somebody fapping? Uh, <laughs> I have it as weak applause, <laughs> which is which is what I do when I'm done fapping. But anyway. <laughs> So yeah, it's a. I got the cold Amanda had during last week's show within 36 hours of of being back in the house after Christmas. Yeah. So we've both been sick and loaded with drugs and booze, and so yeah, nobody wanted to come and be on the award show this year. It's like the 12 days of Christmas, except every day the gift is post nasal drip. That's right. On the fifth day of Christmas, (laughs) you get up and get something. I can't do it. Yeah, on the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five boxes of Kleenex. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm at least well enough. I can taste the hops in my beer tonight, so I think we're gonna we're gonna have an excellent show. Excellent. That's right. We'll be talking about all kinds of wonderful, beautiful, and utterly terrible things that were in comics this year. Do you want to just jump into it, or is there? Do you want to? No, I just I I, I haven't really been helping myself with this too, because as you noted last night, I did my best to decimate what remains of my immune system by drinking myself stupid as evidenced by my renting um, chess in concert with Josh Groban. Oh um, on yeah. Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so here's what happens. 
Here's what happens at the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office when uh, you come home from a few beers and just uh, doze for, say, 20 minutes on the couch. You wake up to all sounds being cut off and drunk Amanda going through Amazon video looking for chess. The, the fucking the musical, musical from the 80s, which, yeah, if you, if you didn't live in the 80s, you don't know what the fuck chess is. One night in Bangkok sounds like, sounds like a challenge. It sounds like a side game for beer pong. <laughs> it's not a thing that anybody knows. It's a musical about playing chess. It is. Period. Yeah. It's about a chess genius who somehow is a big enough swinging dick. He can pull tail from two different continents. There's a certain amount of like suspension of disbelief you have to. The Lion King is less fantasy than this fucking thing. <laughs> but it, so I wake up to this, and Amanda's singing away along with these songs Drunk. that I've never heard. <laughs> you know, and it's it, it, all I know about the original is that the original, the main, set, the one who plays the American character is Murray Head, which is uh, Anthony Stewart Head from Buffy's brother. Yes. We don't have Murray Head in the version that Amanda found. No. no. We've got Josh fucking Grobin, the Grobag. He's in charge of this fucking project. Oh, and, and he wasn't even um, Murray Head's character. He was An- uh, Anatoly, the Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. It was, it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got all the award show sound effects. That's okay. So anyway, um, I'm a little under the weather. Uh because I've been dealing with a hangover on top of the cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, not me. Because, yeah, I, I couldn't fall asleep because I didn't want to see what else would fucking happen to my television if I woke up at <laughs> four in the morning. <laughs> it, it, it would be you know, the, the all-white cast of The Wiz, just some Jesus. monstrosity with Amanda singing away. I don't think that exists as a thing outside of community theater in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to see it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, and I, my notes are covering my cough, but I'll oh, be okay. Yeah, this is going to be a great award show. Don't, don't worry, we're a professional operation, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe me either. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, it's just been that kind of week, and yeah, we've both been feverishly putting together our categories and yep. our list of winners and losers for for the year. I mean, overall, as a year in comics and genre. It's weird because there were a lot of these things we we did best and worst in yeah. most of our categories, and it was weird. And a lot of them, trying to think of worst, I really couldn't. The there, there was with, least there was least good. Well, in, the the problem is once something once you determine that something isn't good, you stop following it, and then you sort of forget about it. <laughs> yeah, that was the one challenge this year in putting it together. When we did this last year, the first half of last year, Crisis on Infinite Mid Lives was it, it was a written website. Right. So I had, you know, dozens and dozens of reviews. So I could just go back and use that to remind me of what I liked and what I right. didn't like. You know, there were, I'm sure there were dozens of one-off issues as we were looking for the two or three comics we talk about a week where I'm like, this is shit. And I just put it aside and we didn't even talk about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, particularly when it came to movies and with TV shows, I was surprised at what, what I listed as my worst TV show. But if I'm honest, it's like, okay, yeah, for worst genre, this is really not making it for me. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the same thing with with movies, and so it's a good time to be a geek. It's an excellent time because yeah, be a geek. looking at the movies, yeah, there was one obvious choice, which I'm sure we both have. But then again, we couldn't even. I didn't feel safe putting it as my list because it got such bad reviews. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. So, but so it's really not a terrible time to to be into this kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. That said, there were a few things where it's like, uh, yep, you're the piece of shit. Next. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, do we just want to get into it? Or is yeah, there any, get into it. any general observations about the year in geek that, um, <laughs> that you want to mention ahead of time? No, I, I, I think we should just get into it. Well, 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 my Sudafed is still working. <laughs> okay. You should have doubled the dose because yeah, it's well. very much be, actually, I don't think it's going to be the longest show in the world. It was last year because we had a bunch of people arguing. That's all right. I'll that's argue. okay. I'll argue with you. Oh, thanks. Hey, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, uh, why don't we, uh, start out with the best comic and genre movie. This is probably, we should really do this. This should be best pictures. We should have closed with this fucking thing. But. Well, comic and genre or comic or genre? Comic or genre. Okay. So you can pick one or the other. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. Uh, Amanda, uh, what, what's your choice for, for best? Oh, wait a second. All right. There we go. My, my choice for the best? Um, yeah. I wrote down Star Wars The Force Awakens with... An honorable mention of Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay. All right, that's fair enough. Um, and and I, the edge went to Star Wars because nostalgia. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it gave me everything that I was hoping for to the point where I had to go see it again immediately so that then I could get over the, the fangirl squee and, and try to look at it a little bit more critically, and I still couldn't look at it critically. So The fangirl squee. <laughs> Does Sudafed cure that? Uh, I don't know. Penicillin, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also, I think in the honorable mention category, because I think this is from this year, but it could be mistaken, the Babadook horror movie. Okay. Um, it's because it was... Um, I think that was 2014, was but I think we saw it in like January, February. Okay. So Because that, that movie, for me... I. I thought did a lot of nice things on an intimate level with horror and the idea of, of how mental illness can impact um, your life and, and those that you're caring for. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I didn't really think about horror movies as genre. Technically it is I mean, yeah. horror sci-fi that sort of go hand in hand with comic books and everything. But yeah, I mean, going just purely by memory of that movie, which again, I saw drunk, <laughs> we pulled it off pay-per-view. Um, but uh, yeah, the the way that addressed uh, look, th- there are reasons you and I do not have children. <laughs> for for me, it was a conscious choice at about nineteen years old, where I realized, oh shit, my dad hates his job; it can never quit, and my mom looks tired all the time, and that doesn't that doesn't look like fun. And so, yeah, it's, I've got too low a frustration tolerance. It, it was a a joke in my act. It was, Dad, can you teach me to throw the ball? No, sorry, son, Daddy's drinking. Get the fuck out of here. It's, <laughs> I don't have the patience. It's, I'm fine with the cat. The cat is all right. We can cat close is, the door on the cat. The cat's, cat's not. Awesome. Cat's not going to call child services. No. Cat's not going to bitch that I'm not sending it to a school of his choice. <laughs> cat's not going to complain. His curfew sucks. It's the cat is fine. The with the Badabook. Babadook. Babadook. The Badabook. Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> you get that Badabook here. He's going to wear cement shoes. God damn it. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, Babadook, <laughs> whatever. Now we've said it too many times and it's going to show up. See, see what you did there? <laughs> no, that's Candyman <laughs> or Bloody Mary. <laughs> if I say Bloody Mary three times, will you get me a Bloody Mary? You don't even like Bloody Marys. It doesn't matter. It's got booze in it. <laughs> Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. The crowd loves it. 
you just stared at me like a spastic, which I deserve. We don't even have tomato juice in the house. Yeah, I don't want a Bloody Mary. There's perfectly good Jack Daniels over there. Or pour me some of that Michter's rye. Either way. <laughs> Get you some spaghetti sauce, horseradish, and vodka. That. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, this is all being filtered through Sudafed and, and cold mouth. <laughs> and I'll stick with my, my IPA. Thank you. But But what that movie got was what I always imagined being a parent would have not just moments of, but almost the entire thing, this monstrosity in my home won't shut the fuck up and listen to reason mm. and go away for a while so I don't kill it. And again, conscious choice not to have kids. This isn't just blind luck. And wow, thank God Rob didn't have kids. Oh no, I went out of my way. <laughs> I recognize my areas of weakness and I try to tack away from them. It's the same reason that I don't, I'm not a carpenter. If I hold a hammer, somebody gets hurt, and usually me. So <laughs> I don't woodwork, and I don't have kids. There you go. But so what I liked about that movie was, yeah, it, it captured those moments. Right. In most horror movies, it's, I'll defend my child, and I'm sure that's there. It must be there because, it, it, you know, the shaking kid thing that only happens once in a while. <laughs> if it didn't, if that thing weren't there, there'd be dumpster, dumpster baby would be redundant well i mean yeah eventually the protagonist got it together so everybody was still alive at the end but okay it was it yeah. was tenuous for a while <laughs> right so all right I'll, I'll buy that as a as a third place i didn't do any third places with any of my my first was yeah same as you the star wars the force awakens because it was this year you kind of had to yeah oh, star wars <laughs> Nothing amanda's looking at me like i just farted <laughs> Well, no, the funny part is we've got Scrooge on on the television in the background with the sound off, and so I'm just looking over at Bill Murray, <laughs> who's currently facepalming in a cab. All right, we'll, we'll just do this. Nice. Is that better? Yes. But. You can just follow me around and just play that when I go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I'd forgotten about last year's award show, how much fun I had just pretending there was a crowd here, and this is an actual award show and not a few dipshits in a basement with some beers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Force Awakens, yes, I acknowledge the movie. If you take a step back, it's nothing but a soft reboot. It's Star Wars all over again. Secret plans in an R2 unit. And there's a new Death Star. There's a new blue-collar kid from a desert planet who's the most powerful Jedi and the bestest pilot in the whole goddamn galaxy. Mary Sue, Gary Stu, whatever. Luke Skywalker and Rey are the same fucking character except for genitals. That's that <laughs> 30 years in genitals. That's the only difference between them. But, yeah, the fact of the matter is, it was fun. It did what it was supposed to do. It had to be a competent Star Wars movie yeah. for the first time since 1983, or depending on what mood I'm in, 1980. You know, it had interesting characters. The stakes were reasonable. It had enough nods to the classic to keep fanboys like us calm. Mm -hmm. I wish there were a fewer, a few fewer winks and nods. But... Yeah. But at the same time, no, I I came out of that movie grinning like an idiot, and I haven't felt that good coming out of a movie in years. So win, it wins. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was exactly what we all wanted. It was it was not a great movie. It was a really good Star Wars movie. Yeah, and, and you know I, I get that there are detractors out there for this, but. I, after a certain point, uh, if you don't allow yourself just to have fun with something um, and, to, and to feel that you have to look at something through a critical lens all the time, then, you know, why are you in fandom? I mean, yes, we all want things to not suck, but <laughs> yeah, it's... take some joy. 
Well, it's, and, and that's the thing. You you could take. I've seen it three times. Yeah. Now, will I see it again before it comes out on Blu-ray? And I don't know. I think you'll probably drive that if you want to see it again. I'll go with a smile on my face. As soon as I can um, breathe through my nose again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because right now I'm 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 an awful mouth breather, <laughs> and I don't think. What do you mean right now? Oh. <laughs> Oh, sorry. And I just I don't feel the need to to infect an entire movie theater's worth of people right now. <laughs> no, the Mexican restaurant last night was fine, but yeah, the movie theater. Uh, yeah. That's because I nuked that with mezcal. No, wait, I didn't get that far. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you stayed nice and sober to throw <laughs> throw the grow bag on me and fucking chess until midnight. <laughs> Jesus, I've seen more Josh Groban this year between chess and concert and the Muppet and the Show Muppets, yeah. <laughs> than I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So. It's far too much. Stop it. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think it'd be hard pressed to find anybody who The Force Awakens isn't at the top of their list. Yeah. Now, there will be certain Scrooges out there and, uh, you know, oh no, it's some, <laughs> some fan film or some goddamn thing. My runner up was different and I put a lot of thought into it. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty confident in it. It, and it's it's weird. It's mostly in the case of it wasn't what I was expecting, and it was a vast improvement on the original property it was based on. Hmm. But my runner-up was uh, no, nobody cares that much. My runner-up, <laughs> uh, Kingsman: The Secret Service, oh. actually. All right, okay. Because um, when you look at the other ones, and we'll we'll talk about the other ones when we do worst in a minute. Ant Man was exactly what you'd expect it to be. I couldn't. Um, I. I... I couldn't bring myself to put that down as worst because we had fun. It was it was it was far better than it had any right to be. Well, uh, yeah, worst is a strong word in this category this year. Yeah. You know, again, if you disqualify Fantastic 4, which we have not seen yet because yeah, it got terrible reviews so we didn't bother. Yeah, if you if you take that out then it becomes a case of least good. Yeah. And that was a little tricky in a few ways cuz yeah, Ant-Man it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was not exactly essential. Mm. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, Age of Ultron, I, I don't, th- I think that's going to be on a lot of worst lists, which I don't think is necessarily earned, mm. um, for reasons, uh, you know, we'll talk about. Yeah. I mean, this was an actual improvement on Mark Millar's. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about Mark Millar and his small idea comics, right. you know, elevator pitch comics and, now, this one was, what if James Bond was a thing, you know, and a fucking yabo who only some British twat would consider looking at in any direction but down. <laughs> that was the elevator pitch. Yeah. This was an actual improvement over that. Now, all of the characters were generally more likable. You know, you look back at the comic book and, you know, Eggsy was a dick and his family deserved to be burned to the ground. And, you know, his Uncle Jack was, yeah. you know, a, a real a douchebag and you know, everybody was a dick. And this one, yeah, Sam Jackson was wasted. There was no purpose in having Sam Jackson yeah. in this. Nobody believes Sam Jackson is a hacker. Nobody believes Sam Jackson knows how to turn a computer on, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but it gave Colin Firth his Liam Neeson career moment. You know, it, yeah. it it accurately showed what would motivate James Bond if he was a yabo. Anal. That's what he's motivated by. It gave Liam Neeson what now? Well, no, it gave Colin Firth oh, his, oh, his yeah. Liam Neeson moment. Okay. Thank you. I pseudofed filtered that differently. <laughs> <laughs> 
What did what did the Sudafed think? Don't don't ask. They gave him Liam Neeson anal. Don't, don't <laughs> ask what the Sudafed. And if thinks. you're gonna jumble up my entire <laughs> sentence, that's probably what it came to. Goddamn Sudafed fucks everything up. But uh, yeah, it's it was not high art. But considering that it really, I think, was leaps and bounds better than the comic it was based on, yeah, and was actually an entertaining flick, that yeah, I'll I'll put that as as runner up. And if you catch me tomorrow after the right number of beers, I might change my mind. But for right now, that's that's what I'll go. No, with. I think that's solid. That's solid. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I worst I, I wrote down Fantastic Four. Here's the problem: like, if something is bad, I'm not inclined to go see it. But I feel like I have to. Uh, address the the category. So between that and Terminator Genesis, it seemed to me that Fantastic Four was more critically um, declined than than Terminator. Yeah, but even that the the critical decline on that came from you know the actors and the director and the writer all saying, "Oh, it's not my fault. Somebody else did this to me." Yeah, you know, <laughs> do it to what's her face, not to me from 1984. <laughs> So I think that bomb got more ugly publicity than Terminator Genesis, where they really tried hard to say, oh, we all tried hard and everybody loves it. And, you know, look, let's get the original director out. And, oh, yes, I think this is a fine movie. Mm. Okay, go back to doing, you know, whatever, uh, Avatar. <laughs> do Avatar 2 <laughs> like you've been doing for the last 10 years. Okay, I'll do that. And then it just sort of sunk without a trace because it was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, the biggest slam that Terminator Genesis got was they gave away the entire fucking movie in the marketing. Yeah. Which if we ever if we ever have a big enough audience to do like a five, six hour show and we can do you know, like real award shows, we'll do best marketing. Star Wars totally wins. That oh, didn't yeah. give anything away in any of the trailers or anything. From from the initial teaser that's just BB eight <laughs> that immediately became like a gif that stole the world. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, to, to the next teaser where you get to see the Falcon and it just, yeah, everything was, was peeled back slowly and properly and then not overly like humped after that. It was, they, they stopped around September, October with new trailers. What you got is what you got. <laughs> yeah. It's it, people would start parsing TV ads from around the world. There's yeah. an extra eighth of a second of, Ray and what's she carrying there? Right. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, it didn't give anything away. That where's Terminator Genesis? And I suppose that's that's got to be kind of the temptation if you realize <laughs> that you have a pile of shit and you're trying yeah. to get people in seats. And yeah, and enough people have said over the year with all the people that are involved in any major motion picture, from the original person with the idea up until the person who signs the check and everybody who says fine, it's a lock. It, that. Any movies are actually good is a miracle. Right. Now, if you consider that, I suppose if you get to a certain point and realize that we have created, in spite of ourselves, a real pile of shit with the Terminator <laughs> name on it. Yeah, you start pulling out the stops. It's like, fine, show him Arnold. Show him, ooh, show him the bad guy is, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was spoiled by the marketing because I haven't seen it and I yeah. know who the bad guy is. Right. But I don't want to be that dildo. You're, so, you're a good person, Rob. I you, won't tell anyone. You go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're an imbecile. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was not cool. I feel shame. That's okay. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I'm the host. Fat, oh, I'm fat, not fat, fapping. Fat, fat. <laughs> All right. I'll try not to use that effect anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I, mean, I didn't 
you know, I put a note, you know, that it would probably be Fantastic Four had we actually seen it, but I didn't want to put it there. I don't want to damn it not having seen it. it yeah. Could be some heartbreaking work of genius if you get the director's cut that eventually I'm sure Josh Trank will say, please, God, just put it out. Give it a chance. My career's in the toilet now. Leak it to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Phantom Trank edit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I watched it because I thought it would tranquilize me. Instead, <laughs> I couldn't stop screaming. But, but so yeah, I didn't want to damn that one. This is where it really became a case of least good. And so for me, it was Ant Man. Okay, you know, Ant Man valid. You know, Corey Stoll's uh, scenery chewing in that really it, that oh, was it, not good. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was fine. It was what it was supposed to be. It was light. It was fun. It was certainly not crucial. It did nothing to advance the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, except to say, ooh, hey, look, he met Falcon, and Falcon may now feel comfortable enough to call him. Yeah. But it was it was sort of self-contained. You know, and Michael Pena, he was fun, and it was good to see a little bit of cross-pollination with the Avengers. But, you know, when it, it, Ant-Man's origin is not essential. You could drop Ant-Man and Wasp, just drop them into Infinity War. Yeah. With two or three flashback scenes to to cover the origin, and and that's all you need. That, that, that's all you need to tie him into the greater Marvel universe story. Now, and the biggest problem with Ant Man is the problem I complained about all through last year. Now, it's it's the direct. It's it's not Edgar Wright. Yeah. If this had been an Edgar Wright movie, it would not necessarily have been a whit different. But uh, the fact that it was taken away from him and just okay, now it's just another light comedy sort of okay here's a thing for the marvel cinematic universe it didn't need to be there yeah if there was any of the genre comic book movies we saw this year i could have said you know i didn't have to see that it would have been ant-man okay that's valid but yeah it's to get back to it on a lot of people on their list they're gonna put avengers age of ultron and they are fucking dead goddamn wrong i i, I agree i i enjoyed age of ultron immensely yeah, it's it was it was in no way perfect. Right. It was in no way really as good as Avengers. But that's a hell of a thing to live up to. The, the biggest problem I had with it were the some of the dropped in moments that had nothing to do with the story, like Thor at the friggin' pool trying yeah, to Yeah, cuz they they they're trying to set up something for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, trying to tie this movie that really is one of the linchpin movies to, should be the linchpin movies to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everything should service the Avengers movies. Right. Well, not that, the other way around. And that's, you know, I think Whedon's on record as saying there, the suits came to him and said, these are some things that need to be in here. <laughs> oh yeah, the biggest thing I heard was, uh, yeah, the scenes at Hawkeye's Ranch. Yeah. They were fighting to pull out of. And he was fighting to keep in. And the final negotiating points were, okay, well, you're going to tie it to Ragnarok with this. And you're going to tie it to whatever with this other thing. And right. So that was the the payoff. And that's why, yeah, I, I read a thing today with Joss Whedon where he said, you know, I am out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And his his rationale was not, I'm tired and I'm burned out. But it was, you know, if they let you in there, you'll constantly be going in there and try to be heard. And it's just, he's well, done. Yeah. And and he was offered um, consulting duties uh, not duty. He wasn't offered duties. He was offered it as a job, consulting job, like script doctoring. And he liked the fact that he was listened to, but it's an addictive thing. And if you spend all that time, because they've got stuff planned out through 2020, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then, then he's going to have no time to do his own projects. And ultimately he's a creator and he wants to do his own things. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I don't blame him. 
it's got to be pure hell to try to not just get your own project through, but with everything tied into it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with it. Yeah. I can barely face doing this show every week for Christ's sake. And we oh. answer, I answer to you. So you don't even. <laughs> well, yes, I do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the biggest failure in Avengers Age of Ultron was the relationship between Banner and Natasha. And I think that mostly suffers from the sin of being unclear more than anything else. Right. Um, and that sin led to a lot of people thinking that, oh, Natasha was suddenly self-loathing because at least according to her, she's unable to have children. And, you know, even assuming that's fucking true. Because we talked about during the show and I wrote a long editorial based on your theory that yeah. the entirety of Natasha's motivation should be viewed through the eyes of my job is to control Banner and keep yeah. him on the team. He's, she's the lullaby. She, she's, her job is to handle the Hulk and by extension, Banner. So she's going to say whatever needs to be said because she's on the job. And a lot of people wanted it to be this other thing where she was, you know, suddenly feeling needy and, you know, they, they had to shoehorn her into a relationship because that's what they do with female characters. No, <laughs> she was doing a job. Yeah. And it's, again, we've, yeah, if you're interested in it, this theory mostly comes from Amanda, but I buy into it wholeheartedly. Yeah, go back to our episode about Age of Ultron, where you really listed it out. But also based on that, I wrote a, it's the, our one written piece this year. I wrote a long editorial about, yeah, why well, no, what, what Natasha is doing is not what you think. Yeah. I'll try to remember to, I'll forget, but I'll try to put a, <laughs> a link in the show notes, but it's good stuff. Just go to our website, ChristOnInfiniteMidLives.com. Look at the editorial category. It'll be the last thing that was in there. <laughs> there you go. But so, yeah, I don't, I don't want to beat that, you know, beat that into the ground again because we've, we spent a lot of pixels on it. Okay. A, a lot of bits. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, but again, it was not utterly clear. And yeah. that, that's something that the movie does have to answer to. If half the free world is saying they don't understand it, that means it was not made clear enough. Right. Now, and I think part of why it's not made clear enough is people are still very much watching these movies in movie mode and not comic book mode where, oh no, if it happened before, it still matters now. Right. Yeah. No, continuity makes a difference. Yeah. Continuity is the whole of, of these phases. They otherwise, they would have a whole bunch of, Unrelated, unconnected movies. Yeah, continuity is what separates Marvel comics and modern superhero comics from almost any other kind of narrative. Yeah. And if you don't take that into account, then you're going to miss stuff. Right. And I've, I've said before, it's a, I missed it on the first view until you said, no, here's what I think is going on. I'm like, yeah, no, you're dead right. Yeah. And the minute you start saying, no, what happens in Avengers is absolutely as valid as what's happening in this movie I'm watching right now and as important, it totally becomes clear. But... The movie has to answer for the fact that far more people didn't see it than saw it. Right. So I can see why that would put it on certain people's lists. But yeah, it's, a, I think there's a lot more to this movie than, than a lot of people think. If you can get that shit out of the way, it, it maintains a solid, solid movie. I still think Avengers is better. Yeah. I still think Captain America, the first Avenger is better. Not the first Avenger, uh, uh the Winter Soldier is yeah. better. But. Still, it's. I just wanted to address because I know that's going to be on a ton of people's lists. That's okay. And no, it doesn't fucking belong there. Um, you people are wrong. Yeah, fuck you, man. You're entitled <laughs> to your opinion, no matter how wrong they are. Exactly. All right. So, should we move on to best worst uh, genre TV show? Yep. All right. So we'll start with 
best comic genre TV show. Amanda, uh, who do you have as your... I, I gave it to um, AKA Jessica Jones with an honorable mention to Supergirl. Okay. <laughs> All right. So why Jessica Jones? Um, they let, s- let the band finish, goddammit. Show some respect. Are they playing me <laughs> off the stage already? Goddammit. No, no. You'll know when that's happening. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I, I, I gave it to, to Jessica Jones because... It, it came across um, as as a very well conceived uh, vehicle for a, a strong character who happens to be a woman, and and it made having those kind of superpowers believable in 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 a way that um, didn't rely on on flights and tights and and I enjoy Flash for example, but that's so very clearly a superhero show. <laughs> Oh, totally. It's for, for pure superhero fun for any show that embraces we are a comic book superhero. Yeah. If that's your main criterion, then Flash gets it. Flash. And also, it's also why I put, uh, Supergirl on the honorable mention list because the glee that the former glee actor has <laughs> <laughs> in, in playing that character and in the, in the way they embrace all of, all of the, uh, the, the DC universe sort of tropes. In, in Supergirl is, is just fun, unabashed entertainment. Um, yeah. It's, I, I thought a lot about superhero, uh, superhero, Supergirl for this. Uh, and ultimately I didn't put it on either list hmm. because I still think it's finding itself. I think when Supergirl is good, it's really fucking good. The episode I'm thinking of where, and it's the, the same episode that was on, uh, Smallville every mm-hmm. season, you know, Supergirl loses her powers. Yeah. I mean, shit, it was on Buffy. It, it's on, <laughs> a, it's everywhere with Spider-Man 2. It's a superhero losing their powers. But where she went and confronted the looters and the burglars without powers and talked them down and had to show that kind of clearly terrified. If you look at her from the correct yeah. angle, <laughs> it was great acting. It was great writing. That's, I'd put that among the best genre comic book, non-comic actual comic book but comic related media moments of the year but not every episode is that solid and cat grant still chews the scenery far more of but then there are great moments with cat grant and then it's you know oh okay you're you're a bitch you're i get get where you're laying down it's i still think it's trying to find itself i think if it keeps going the way it's going it could be a real contender next year yeah no I, i i think we talk about this is a good time to be a geek this is a good time to be a geek girl and so I, I picked those two because they show very vastly different depictions of what it means to be empowered and, and to, uh, be able to sort of, you know, compete in the world today, as it were. If you're, if I you're... am a large, <laughs> semi muscular man. <laughs> I can take it. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, Jessica Jones, they're not afraid to show somebody who's just flat out fucking unlikable. <laughs> oh yeah, and 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 she's the star of the show, and and Tennant's turn as Kilgrave was very well done, nicely nuanced, creepy as all hell. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's this was it was an interesting show in that it was a Marvel show, but not a superhero show. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is it. It shows the the downside of yeah. Okay, just because you have powers doesn't mean suddenly okay. I get myself a nice Under Armour suit 
and become an Avenger, and I'm on Tony Stark's payroll. Right. Not everything is magical. Not everything's going to work out. And just because you have powers doesn't mean you are invincible. Exactly. And yeah, Kilgrave as not even a Marvel villain, but just a a, a comic book villain, period, right. was excellently done. And yeah, the, the nuance that he put into it of the, a combination of pathetic, you know, yeah, I grew up under these horrible conditions and because of that I'm stunted and I know it, but also relying on that for sympathy when the reality is I'm being that stunted, I'm, I'm a monster. I feel I'm entitled to do these things. I don't see why they're wrong. Even if you tell me why they're wrong, I don't see why I shouldn't be able to do them. Yeah. Because I want to and I deserve it because wham, well, mommy didn't love me enough and tried to drown me in the toilet or whatever it was. Uh, just jam various medicines and chemicals into his spine repeatedly as a child. I think that was the. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's almost as bad as being drowned in the toilet, but. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, Supergirl, it is still finding itself. You're right. But I, they've done some nice things that have taken me by surprise. Uh, spoilers. Most recently, the reveal that Hank Henshaw, uh, is actually Martian Manhunter was just awesome. That was a really cool reveal <laughs> that I was not expecting, but the way they set it up, everything was there. Yep. It absolutely made total sense. All right. That was, if it keeps moving in that direction where, th- there are more and more good moments as it finds its footing. As long as it keeps going in that direction, it's got a real chance to be a contender. Yeah. So th- those are my my top two on on the best. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I also had uh, Jessica Jones as as number one. Oh, stop it! God damn it! <laughs> but um, yeah, for all the reasons we've been talking about, and I've been beating this horse since we saw it. If you listen to last week, and I'll beat it again. It's as an examination of Doctor Who, it's as good as you're ever going to see anywhere. Mm-hmm. It really, it, every time I watch one of those Kilgrave episodes, it's uh, yeah, the doctor's <laughs> doctor's got some problems. If you stop and think about him too much, yeah. Oh hi, I eat custard and I show up in your bedroom and I take you with me. And isn't that awesome? Don't you? What? What? No, you have to come <laughs> with me. I need you. You. No, you can't go to work. You can't go to fucking work. You can't have outside interests or a life. <laughs> God damn you. He was wrong and you knew it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly not perfect. Most of the performance is really solid. I mean, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, you know, Mike Colton as Luke Cage. The one, the one downside, and it's not even totally his fault, was Real Traval as Nuke, and mm-hmm. it's. Nuke is a two-dimensional character as he was written originally by Frank Miller. There's not a hell of a lot you can do with him. And this wasn't even a good interpretation of Nuke. Yeah. He was was a fairly um, shallow character compared to the development that other characters in the show got. Yeah. Nuke should be... (laughs) Historically, Nuke's a Daredevil villain. Nuke should really be a Captain America villain. He is the... If you think historically... Oh, he's the opposite. The, the villain is the opposite of the hero. Yeah, Red Skull is the perfect Captain America villain. But if you think America 1945 versus America 1988, mm. when Born Again was done post-Watergate, then yeah, the idea of an opposite Captain America from the Vietnam, Watergate, Pentagon Papers, yeah. Snowden World, 
is a perfect foil for Captain America. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Jessica Jones, uh, no, it shows a dude who thinks, uh, oh, I know everything and I'll take these pills so I can be on the same level as them because God forbid, as a man, I don't have the same kind of strength that Jessica Jones had. And I get what they did with it. I just don't think it was the right character to do it with and I don't think they did a hell of a lot with it. Um, other problem with this, same as Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil was close to being on my list both as, as a runner-up. Mm. Um it, it doesn't need to be 13 episodes. Well, what happens with 13 episodes is you get certain plot lines that get bloat, mm. that don't necessarily serve the main plot line. Uh, I was thinking the, uh, the Jerry Hogarth, Carrie Ann Moss, oh, and yeah, her yeah. rotten marriage that just went on and on and on, fucking on, yeah. that only barely served the main plot. Whereas if you take that time, the other things get short shrift. You know, like the, the battle between cage and jessica with it's really one episode where right. she realized he's being manipulated and that could have been much more powerful right as powerful as it was these should really be 10 episodes knock those extra three out focus on the main plot and characters and get it done daredevil has a similar problem yep i, I don't disagree but but yeah daredevil was damn close to being my runner-up because daredevil was really solid and i'm really looking forward to daredevil season two you know, as the still pictures are starting, I saw one today of <laughs> you know, Daredevil chained up under the Punisher's gun. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready for more Daredevil now. There's a lot of stuff, and we we have a category that we'll get to eventually in terms of things that we're most anticipating for this this coming year. And um, Daredevil is, I didn't write that down, but yeah, I, I really want to see John Bernthal's um, characterization of Punisher. I'm oh, totally. so looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, that's... That, that didn't make my list, but yeah, it's, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah. Um, my runner up, and it's probably too early to tell, but it, it's gotten me excited in the last week as I've caught up on two or three of the early episodes. Mm. Uh, Expanse. Yeah. On the sci-fi channel. That is good. And, and it, it's kind of a sleeper choice because there's only a few episodes, uh, and it, it's a hell of a thing to consider any, you know, we're a comic book pod- podcast. If you're going to go genre, yeah, any any year there's a Game of Thrones season, say, oh, no, I'm going to go in this other, that's a yeah. hell of a thing to do. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it treats viewers like adults. It's not spoon-feeding information. There's big political relationships between Mars and Earth and the Belters, and it's sort of parsing out information mm. as to who's on what side and what everybody's trying to accomplish, you know. So it, it's it's treating the audience like adults, and the the ugly truth is, I got a soft spot for space shows. <laughs> I just do. It's it, yeah. I I like the fact that there's some realism to it. I mean, sure, there's ships with artificial gravity, which is bullshit. And the you know they've got the boots that you know magnetize when mm-hmm. there's fallout in the artificial gravity. Okay, that's an easy way to save special effects. I get that. Uh, and there was zero G sex, I think, in the first episode. That <laughs> I missed that one. I firmly believe zero G sex is going to have far more testicular torsion than pleasant orgasms. There's, there's, testicular torsion, you say? There's a thing called Newton's third fucking law. Is and it testacular? It, it's not testacular. It's <laughs> it's testfracular. It's <laughs> it's bad. It's bad for the nuts. <laughs> you don't want it. But uh, but yeah, it's uh. And yeah, oh Christ, we're just talking Punisher. I forgot his name. Who played Punisher in the first one? Thomas Jane. Yes. Uh, I'm liking his character on it, even though he's sort of a stereotypical, you know, ooh, semi-corrupt cop with a heart of gold character. It's, I like those kind of characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like him in it, and yeah, it's the, the 
when it comes to a space show, if it makes me want to subscribe to Eve Online again, it's working. Yeah. And this made me want to either subscribe to Eve Online again or go download Elite Dangerous on the Xbox. <laughs> okay. So it's it's early, but it made me enthusiastic enough watching the first couple three episodes. It's like, all right, let's let's do something a little bit different, at least with a runner up on this one. All right. Okay. Worst. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I I did not have a worst for TV. Really? I couldn't come up with one. Well, see, that's sort of how I felt about the the movie one. Um, so, in the in the spirit of, there there are only things that are less good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where let me just interrupt. Where I came up with the problem is there's a lot of shit genre television that we just don't watch. Yeah, but there's a lot of of genre television that we watch, and then we're like, why why are we still watching this? <laughs> that that is true. Uh, in which case, fine. Uh, with no notes taken and just a gut, uh, American Horror Story. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch that show even remotely sober. The this last season was better than uh, the the Freak Show one, which still is sitting there on the TV. I got like halfway through it. With the the promise of somewhere down the line we'll be seeing Neil Patrick Harris, I still can't quite bring myself to go back and watch it. And the thing is, I'm I found with um, American Horror Story Freak Show is that there's a level of drunk that I need to be at in order to even be willing to turn it on because it's a as a FX show, it's it's a little lengthier than some of the other ones. So I need to decide that okay, I can I can do this for an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> I can have enough boost. <laughs> I can get enough booze without uh, having alcohol poisoning and dialing up chess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. Um, so I, I, I didn't put it down because I, I thought it, I thought the hotel season was an improvement. What I put down um, was Fear the Walking Dead. I thought about that, and and the reason I did that was, while it certainly wasn't a horrible show, I don't think it's bringing anything new to the the walking dead universe i don't think that it's it's got a purpose beyond let's try to hump the walking dead and make more money i honestly left that i thought about it i left it off the list for the same reason as fantastic four we watched the first three i think yeah and never got back to the back half yeah which as an indicator of you know as much as we really like the walking dead television series the main show yeah for for that to not hook us in enough to just dial up the last three on a late i mean jesus christ <laughs> we had our cable out for two days over the past week which meant we could only watch stuff on the tivo we have fear the walking dead on there we caught up on bones <laughs> we caught up on bones and fucking castle yeah and we left fear the walking dead on there it's just it hasn't been compelling enough to go back and we leave it on there because we know we'll get back to it probably before the, the next second season, season yeah. to see if we make a final decision on if we pull the trigger on it or not. Right. But not having seen the whole thing. And again, it's been months since we saw the first one. It's, yeah, it's a much more conventional zombie story. It's straight out of Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead in that, ooh, it's happening right now. Yep. Whereas the cool thing about Walking Dead is Walking Dead starts afterwards. Right. All that shit's gone down and now it's just pure we're trying to survive mode. Yeah, society has fallen. This is the aftermath. Right. This is just straight out of Night of the Living Dead. And that's fine. The, the, I love zombie stories in general, and those are not only valid zombie stories, those are most of the zombie stories that you see. Yeah. 
but it, yeah, I mean, what I remember from it was, uh, yeah, uh, mom's kind of a straightforward, give me what I want, bitch, and dad's sort of, uh, beta trying to keep peace, and the most beautiful heroin addict, long-term junkie, <laughs> you know, son, straight out of central casting for, you know, give me a beautiful emo child. Yeah. And the, the last thing I remember was, but mom, you have to get me heroin, and she didn't hit or kill him the way a normal person would let's go back to the babadook for a second yes (laughs) christ yeah yeah um and also how is he not dead yet in in a genre show if you if you do something that is morally wrong and doing heroin one would argue is morally wrong because drugs are bad okay um, he should be dead already. Well, Jesus, in the main show last season, uh, Christ, what was his name? Played by a guy who played D'Angelo in, uh, I think D'Angelo in The Wire. Yeah. The tainted meat guy. Yeah. It's, uh, I forget the name of the character, but, uh, t- sorry, I hit the cough button right after you went to cough. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he wandered off to steal a pint of four roses and dead. got his legs eaten. <laughs> dead. <laughs> so, so yeah, based on just the rules of The Walking Dead, let alone horror movies, you know, beautific junkie should be fucking dog meat by now. Right, right. Um, I also threw on there just in because I, I I have concerns. Sleepy Hollow, Sleepy Hollow is ridiculous to begin with. <laughs> it definitely is, but I still have fun with it. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I just uh, I feel it's, it's another kind one. Of, it's another one I have to have four or five beers in me to really get the full experience. Yeah, I just feel as though it it's sort of lost its way um, this season since they got rid of his wife. Uh, they eviled her up last season and then killed her off or whatever. Um, I just I'm not sure where it's going right now. I'm worried that they're just going to keep sort of every season now that Katrina's gone and here's the monster that's the big bad for this season. I, I I'd like it to kind of center itself. And I don't, I feel it's flailing a little bit right now. For the silly show with Ichabod Crane somehow living incongruously in the present. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And crossing over with Bones. Yeah, and crossing over with Bones. (laughs) Okay. I just, I I think it's it's lost its way and it needs to figure out what it wants to be. (laughs) Well, that's, this year we didn't do the, uh, we didn't do the category of most improved, most disappointing, but let's at least give a shout considering the, the soft title of last year's Crises <laughs> Awards. Uh, one one show that isn't appearing on this. <laughs> and God knows we've we've had issues with Doctor Who all this season, and particularly really... with the uh, with Clara. <laughs> yeah, particularly with Clara and with the uh, the Christmas special. Yeah, but well, uh, I enjoyed the Christmas special. That was all right. I think but, I enjoyed it more than you did. But I think it was generally a more solid season. If only that, okay, ding dong, the witch is dead. Let's get another companion. Yeah, thanks. Let's do this. <laughs> and, and finally explore this doctor on his own character in his own terms. I would like them to to get an older character. And they, they can like interact with young people for the young people audience. But I'd like them to get um, a, a platonic older female in there with him so that they can have cantankerous arguments. Let's just... <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Do something different with it. Yeah. Like, like a Donald Noble type character who's, who's not buying into his shit. Yeah, but they'll never fucking do it. They'll never fucking do it because, I know. let's face it, it's <laughs> we are middle-aged geeks 
Uh, nobody gives a fuck what we think when it comes to that <laughs> almighty marketing dollar. No, I, I don't disagree. Um, well, we can afford to build a radio station in our basement and yeah. complain about things. And even though we spend money on these things, oh, no, we want that younger money, that hotter money, <laughs> that tramp stamp ass crack money. Younger, hotter, blonder money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can write that one down. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see something like that. We'll, we'll never see it. No. But I can I can dream. It's it's good to want things. I want all the things. Hey, you know what? It got us all a decent Star Wars movie. Maybe if we just you know, if we all clap our hands and scream a lot enough. Here's one. I did write down some notes on it. Um, and there's potentially an argument for it for worst. Okay. Which feels bad for me, but I think there's a solid argument to be made for it. Is Heroes Online not Heroes Online? Heroes uh, Reborn. Really? Okay. It's. I really want to like the show. There's some stuff to like it. As a as a fan of the original, mm-hmm. there's stuff to like. But if I'm honest, if you weren't a fan of the original heroes, or if you dropped out, if it wasn't strong enough to get you through all four seasons, you're gonna think this show is shit. It's possible. I I could see that. I mean, the villain is a two dimensional bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's a, the the only thing. Number one, it's the villain. Yeah, it's uh, Stryker or uh, Kelly or whoever from mm. Days of Future Past. You know, the only thing preventing her from having a mustache to twirl is her vagina. For God's sake, it's... There's she, a visual. Yeah, she's just uh, <laughs> almost two-dimensional. I can't see any motivation beyond, no, fuck the Evos. I hate them. Yeah. And I have money to kill them with. Um, The, the whole Katana Girl living video game thing... Uh, look, I like the Katana Girl character, but that's nothing but Tron. Yeah. I liked Tron when I was 12, but even when I was 12, I knew that was bullshit. <laughs> you know, if you hit a level of bullshit where somebody who spends hundreds of dollars on comic books a month and said, no, nah, that ain't right, you're probably, no, come up with a different origin. Yeah. You know, for God's sake, you got a time traveler. Have her be you know, a samurai out of time that Hiro Nakamura brought back. Do something else. It, just, it didn't work for me. Okay. Uh, I like the character and I like her little gamer buddy. They're as close to a hero and Ando for this yes. as we've got. They've got great chemistry. But yeah, the video game thing doesn't work for me. That's all right. You know, it, it would, when you have the main hero of the original uh, having twins who turn out to be super powerful. All I think of is, oh, the main hero had to, I think, uh, Spider-Man since passed. <laughs> and that's not a, even... Or, or you get the stink of Zan and Jaina. Oh, God, the stink of Zan and Jaina. Is- <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be treated with fire. <laughs> Mom, do you ever get that stink of Zan and Jaina feeling? <laughs> yes. Oh, douche. <laughs> <laughs> you must douche. <laughs> that's... Uh, yeah, and I said the overall plot is Days of Future Past. The, the best thing about it is seeing uh, Horn Rim Glasses guy and Hiro Nakamura again. Yeah. You know, it's, and I will stand by getting an episode of the former season one future in quotes hero that said, the, and of course I don't have the, <laughs> in order to get the uh, cheering and everything, I took off the Hiro Nakamura sound Aww. clip. But, uh, Today of all days. Yeah, but uh, yeah, to see... See him for an episode, okay, is worth my spending my time with it. But if you don't have that kind of feeling for season one heroes, it, it, this can't possibly be doing anything for you. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And it's you get to a certain point, and then it's okay. We're going to do time travel and undo certain things, and have two versions of Horn Room Glasses guy and <laughs> all that cross purposes. And 
it's a you know an evil Grunberg. I mean, Jesus, Greg. If there's a human puppy dog in the world and you turn him <laughs> into a douchebag, it's Greg Grunberg for Christ's sake. It's, I will stick to the end, and I've again. I am the you and I. I think are the prime audience for this. Yeah, and I'm enjoying it as much as I think somebody can. But I think a serious case could be made for yeah. This is. If you are not prime time for this, it's probably the worst thing that you've seen. It's, it, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. No, th- this is not new viewer friendly. Okay. I um, It occurs to me, and this is completely unrelated, in terms of, of genre movies when we're talking about um, best, I think we can also throw an honorable mention at uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't think of that at all. Yeah. Because that, that was just fun. <laughs> Oh, no, it's a... Visually <sighs> exciting, um, just well-paced. I can't believe I did... Look, um, in my defense, uh, gentle listener, I'm sick. I've been sick. Yeah, that movie, that should have been flat-out runner-up if... I don't think... Look, as as a Generation Xer, I don't think it's going to be... I don't think anybody's going to say, uh, it affected me more than Star Wars. Yeah, like But if you take a step back, Star Wars just soft rebooted Star Wars. Mad Max was another Mad Max movie that <laughs> it had a completely new character, just sort of dropped you into things. It doesn't matter where in the Mad Max saga you are. It's just, it, fine, this is his guy and his name is Max. And by the way, it's really not his story anyway. Yeah. And yeah, just strong characters and yeah, shit. Going back, I, th- I think I think a strong argument could be made to put Fury Road at the top. I can't believe. I just, I, as I was thinking of it in the Sudafed haze. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only defense I got is we've both been sick and trying like hell to produce this thing this week <laughs> in between fugue naps and. Fugue nap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road is, it should be in the top one or two. It's a, it's a hard thing. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Compared to Kingsman. Yeah, no. I, I withdraw my Kingston. Kingston? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Kingsman, rather. Kingsman. I withdraw that. Yeah, it's it's got to be Mad Max Fury Road. That was okay. spectacular. It was. Thank God you brought it up. We were about to lose all fucking credibility, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <sighs> we're going to lose it anyway, because my Sudafed's wearing off. we still got a bunch of categories Younger, to go. Younger, hotter, blonder money. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh so, yeah, going back, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. That's Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, the last couple people in the audience who <gasps> walked out and should have walked out the minute. All right. All right. Mad Max Fury Road, real good. <laughs> Fuck, I, I feel like a dope now. <laughs> no, I don't feel like a dope. All right. So uh, let's talk about crossover events. Uh, all right. So... Yes, we will start with the best crossover event, crossover or event in comics. Um, Amanda, who do you have? For, for me, this year, um, I, I pick Robin War. All right. I, I thought about... I thought about Snyder's run on on Batman up to the the death I say in air quotes of Bruce Wayne. Oh, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Be- but if you don't have that, then you can't have Robin War. But I really like what they're doing with Robin War. I like the way that it's it's exploring um, 
parts of Gotham that we don't we don't typically get to see with um the the sort of street level kids. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I I'm enjoying how they're sort of exploring these themes of the haves versus the haves not have nots and and what it means to to have power and how do you ha- how do you get power how do you get empowered <laughs> oh yeah it's timing wise it's perfect with with all the anti police demonstrations and police brutality demonstrations of police brutality on youtube that have made the national consciousness over the last 18 months or so it's a perfectly timed story of if you live on these streets and you're dealing with not only crime but law enforcement and this happens to be a world where Batman lives, yeah. how would you deal with that? But I recognize that you can't tell this story if you don't have the groundwork that Scott Snyder laid in in the death of Bat, of, of Bruce Wayne. Sure. Because then you, you don't have um, Bat Bunny ears. <laughs> and, and, yeah, Robo Bunny Batman. And, and how Jim Gordon is exploring what it means to be Batman and how that's impacting his relationship with his daughter. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, 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 and I get that. But right now I'm, I'm finding Robin War very, um, immersive. So that's where I, I picked that out of everything because also batman and rob robin eternal that's a great thing going on that has been pretty solid so far um, I've, I've liked that better than batman eternal from last year so yeah far. so for for me right now I, robin war is what i'm enjoying the most i think it's also because it pulls in um dick grayson a lot <laughs> because he's the original robin and i'm i'm really enjoying the the run right now uh tim seeley is doing on grayson <laughs> oh yeah it's a it's interesting. We were at C2E2 in April, and I, I think the artist of We Are Robin uh, was pitching at the the Batman panel. Yeah. And it was – definitely he was enthusiastic about it, and I, I forget the guy's name. I should have checked, but I um, just thought – just membered. Just thought That's of it just right. now. But he was pitching it and saying, oh, it's very hip-hop, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if this is a thing I'm going to like. But And there definitely is uh, – you know, anything that is going to be street level you know, in a city after, say, 19 19- – 89 is going to be hip hop yeah. influenced, but it, uh, no, it's, it's very, yeah, street level and gritty and it's, we are Robin has been pretty good. And yeah, the, the Robin war I've liked a lot. And it's, it's addressing themes of, uh, that are important to kids. I say not being of the, the younger, hotter, blonder bunny set. Uh, oh, bullshit. <laughs> I'll fight any man who says different. Um, but in a, in a way that I think is, is relatable regardless of, of your age. Whereas, say Batgirl <laughs> is being written for a very specific, very narrow audience currently. And while the the themes may also be there, the the way that it comes across in the storytelling and in the art is not in a way that I can relate to any of that or want to relate to any of that. Yeah. It's like self consciously so like the the selfie cover comes to mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's targeted at a demographic and a generation which we're not, and that's fine. Not every book needs to be for me. I've you know I've said that since the inception of this show. It's okay. Now when we say best and worst, I try to keep in mind when I think of worst things. It's like well, just because it's not for me doesn't mean something's bad. Yeah. So certain things that I thought about putting on my worst list, but I didn't because I recognize you know what it's not for me. Yeah. It may be excellent, but. Uh, I'm not who they want to tell the story to. Right. So, and I think Batgirl falls on that. Mm -hmm. I think for its intended audience and what it's attempting to accomplish with a couple of 
massive missteps, even considering it's the type of book it's trying to be. You know, the, the trans portrayal. Yeah. That, you know, for a book aiming at a particular audience, that's as hard a dick stomping that you could possibly do. Well, particularly. To step on your own dick is, ooh. In the face of, in Gail Simone's run just prior to that, she had, um, introduced a trans character in a very, in as, as normalizing a way as you can. Oh, it's just a roommate. Alicia is the roommate. Yeah. And, and there's no like bells and whistles to it. There's nothing special about it. She's just there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the point is, yeah, it's this book that is trying to be something for someone. It's trying to be something for somebody. And I'm not that somebody. Yeah. It's made, it's made at least one terrible mistake doing that, but it, it doesn't make a difference at its best. It's like, Ugh, this does nothing for me. Right. It's not supposed to. Yeah. It's not for an old fart. I don't, and that's fine. But Robin War, I think right now is, is doing a nice blend of, um, social issues that are important and also keeping it though with well within uh, that comic book universe and telling the story in a way that's believable to Gotham. Yeah. It's, it's weird in that. And it may be as simple as, okay, it's, I'm not the target audience, but the target audience I think is arguably male. And it may be just that simple for me to be able to hook into it. You're not male, so that <laughs> that clearly doesn't hold up all the way, but fuck just, you, I'm sick. It's all right. And look, again, Robin War has the added benefit of I got to watch Damian Wayne get tuned up multiple times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anytime Damian Wayne gets a beat down, it's a happy day for me. So right now, that's that's my favorite event from, from this past year. Okay. It, it was not for me. I, okay. I had a different choice. All right. Uh, oh, stop it. My... <laughs> Uh, mine was, uh, Vader down. Okay. Again, stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and it's, it's weird because I think Kieran Gillen, he's, he's getting the character of Vader down. Ha, huh, Vader down. Okay. Um, but no, I, I think he's getting it in a way that matters to Generation Xers, to, to, he he's getting Vader in the way that we imagine him and the way that we want to remember Darth Vader. Now that way is fucking fake. Darth Vader was never <laughs> like that. No. Vader was a flunky to to Tarkin in the first movie. Uh he was barely able to beat an untrained kid in a lightsaber fight in the second one and even then he was unable to convince him to do anything even though he could beat him up. And then he lost to Luke when Luke just began to touch on the dark side in the lightsaber fight. He got his ass. Vader is not as bad a badass as we all want to remember him to be. Right. No, we like to remember him. If if Vader could knock X-Wings out of the sky like he does in Vader Down, why the fuck did he get into his fucking fighter in Star Wars? Vader was not that powerful. Yeah. But we like to remember him that powerful, and Gillen gets that. This is the Vader that we all imagined in our heads when we were thinking, oh, he's the baddest motherfucker. I remember arguing with people on the playground and just be <laughs> just before high school you know, in junior high. It's like Darth Vader could kick Freddy Krueger's ass. Are you kidding me? He chopped that glove right off for Christ's sake. He cut off Luke Skywalker's hand because that's how we want to remember him. Yeah, but then I want to say to you, but Vader has to sleep sometime. And that's where <laughs> Freddy gets him. He does not. <laughs> he does not necessarily. He's got a massive life support system. That's Perhaps true. he just gets by on. He sits in his meditation chamber and he goes, Padma, and then he's good for another three hours. It's, we don't know. 
I don't know how he goes to the bathroom. I don't know how he sleeps, and I'm okay knowing not knowing either of these things. <laughs> okay, but but I mean that's the important thing is Gillen gets that we remember Vader as the baddest motherfucker, and that's how he writes him, and that's how it works. I mean, and it, it's weird because the series has kind of reached the point, and we talked about this, and we talked. I think it was last week's episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm beginning to get some of the tricks that he's using, and you pointed out to me. Yeah, every, every he just keeps coming up with. Okay, we got a Star Wars character. Here's the evil one. Yeah. Uh, and it's happening over and over again, but it's, it's still been, you know, as much fun to yeah. read as any Star Wars story that didn't have Greg Gunberg in it. <laughs> it's, it's been fun. And that's the important thing. Yes. So okay. even though I'm starting to see the man behind the curtain a little bit where I wish I didn't, it's okay. I've had a lot of fun with this one and more fun than I've had with any other crossover or event so far this year all right no that's i think that's perfectly valid your opinion is good oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) i try real hard um how about the worst what do you have for the worst yeah i didn't did you have a runner-up for but i didn't have a runner-up for either one of these well like i said my runner-up was 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 the death of bruce wayne because if you didn't have that then you couldn't have robin war (laughs) okay um if i had to hazard a guess we probably have uh have the same one i'll tell you what let's do this uh, on three, uh, let's say our our pick for the worst. Okay. One, two, three. Secret, Secret Wars. War. As I wrote, Secret Never Ending yeah. War. Yeah. <laughs> Secret Wars, everybody. <laughs> Motherfuck, this goddamn thing is still not done. It's not done, <laughs> and and it, and it and it rips off Game of Thrones, and it's just. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's. <laughs> It's uh, we we have a whole episode. Uh, Marvel is LARPing. Yeah. The uh, battle world is Game of Thrones. It is the shield instead of the wall, and and we've got all of the all new, all different Marvel like titles that are coming out. But we don't know how Secret War ended. So in in a lot of cases, we don't know why they went with that particular characterization for this all new, all different because we haven't seen how it ends. Oh, absolutely. It's. <laughs> That's the, thing, the 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 final issue. Issue nine is supposed to come out uh, next week. Yeah. Uh, that's after a resolicit. It was supposed to come out this week, and a separate resolicit. It was supposed to come out uh, two weeks earlier, and a completely different resolicit a couple months ago, where they said, "Yeah, you know, it was supposed to be eight issues. Turns out they need nine to tell the entire story." Um, it's you know, and it it yeah, it's it's the prime example of a fucked up event. And and this happens with most of the major events from both of the big two. It's just delayed and delayed and delayed, and then the rest of the story goes on while you still don't know how the main story ends. Yeah. And it, you know, I I get the modern need to keep creative teams together. You know, it's everything has to be for the trade. You know, back in the day, if somebody was late, you'd grab a guest artist. Yeah. You just you would, or a guest writer, somebody to come in and help out and co-plot or whatever. Which doesn't happen anymore because everything at least has to look consistent. It doesn't seem to happen in the big two. In the more independent um, books, Wicked and the Divine comes to mind. They've been using a, a battery of guest artists so that they can get the stories out. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's uh, also I think that was scheduled. Yeah. And we're about to see that coming up with Batman too, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you know, and I, I get the, the argument that always comes up at all the conventions when you say, why is, doesn't matter what the event is, A versus X, fear itself. Is it, why is it late? It's like, you know, oh, Watchmen 12 was late and nobody complained. Dark Knight 4 was late and everybody was okay with that. But those were self-contained stories that were out of continuity. Yeah. They were not stories that 
in the case of Secret Wars, literally derailed and ended the longest running story in the English fucking language. <laughs> you know, it's, and this isn't fair necessarily, but I think it's just human nature. You know, if the creative teams and the editorial teams don't give enough of a fuck about this year's most important story ever to get the fucking thing shipped on time, why should we care? Yeah. Now, if you're going to tell me this changes everything and you can't be bothered to get it out, and it's the solicits for this latest issue are killing me. It's There was one on uh, the Marvel website. Um, yeah, the, the first quote, this extra issue will not affect any of the new launches as part of all star, uh, all new, all new different, uh, uh, sorry. All new, all different Marvel. Because to get away from the quote, it's been all new Marvel, all different. They've had so many all whatever Marvels, all star Marvel, yeah. all penis Marvel. Really? All peanut butter Marvel. What? All organic Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Please help me. I'm a hostage Marvel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this extra issue will not affect any of the new launches as part of all new, all different Marvel. But there might be a surprise or two left over from Battle World that you weren't expecting. Okay. Now... Yeah, and he also in, in that said, you know, oh, it's a it's an extra issue, it's a special issue. But the thing is, it, yeah, it was solicited as eight issues. But if the creators couldn't finish the story in eight issues, that doesn't make number nine an extra. If the story's not finished, it's not extra. Yeah, it's, it's the, crucial at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's another issue that hopefully will end the story. <laughs> and yeah, and basically they're acknowledging. Since we already have, I think, pretty much almost all of the post-Secret Wars books. I know Spider-Man comes out in February, and yep. there's a few other, few others. But, yeah, we know who survived. Yeah, and we know what state they came out of it in, just like you said. Yeah. You know, and so they're all but calling the end of this event that was meant to reboot the Marvel Universe fucking inessential. Yeah, I, I, I just... Yeah, and it's, I got one more quote, uh, actually, because that quote I just gave... That was from a VP of marketing. <laughs> they got a VP of marketing to explain why it's not a big deal. But I, I found one from uh, Tom Brevoort. Uh, quote, I can say with some confidence that it's a finale that no reader who's been enjoying the ride so far will be disappointed in and is in no way spoiled by any of the events that have transpired in our assorted all-new, all-different era titles so far. Don't believe me? Well, you'll just have to pick up a copy for yourself and see. He's basically saying exactly the same thing as the marketing guy. Which means it's marketing for you should buy this, even though we all know that it's so fucking late and you know so much that it doesn't fucking matter. Just give us the money. They've already there's there's a um a Wikipedia page that's devoted to all of the various crises and events in Marvel from like the dawn of time up until into next year. Okay. <laughs> um and I'm so burnt out on Marvel events because they're so poorly paced and take so long. That I saw that there were like three entries or something for uh, events going into to this year. I didn't even look at them. I just yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, look and, and the argument that like Axel Alonso makes at every convention is you know, when people say I've got event fatigue. It's like, well, then stop buying them. If you stop buying them, we'll stop doing them. But <laughs> if you like Marvel at all, you gave us basically four months. Mm-hmm. Where all you had was out of continuity Marvel shit. If I want to know anything about Spider-Man, I have to get Renew Our Vows or Spider-World. Or yeah. It, if that's all you give us. I mean, the other example I can think of is Fear Itself. Yes. Where oh, Fear God. Itself was across every single book for months and months and months. And the one thing that I'll give Secret Wars, even though the whole this is going to change everything, I think is bullshit. Because <laughs> as these books come out, it's like, uh, 
not all that much is really all that different. Yeah. Spider-Man is Tony Stark light. Uh, and we've shuffled all the cards as to who's in what Avengers team. And otherwise it's basically the same Marvel universe it ever was. Well, I, I guess the question is, you know, why, why is, um, why is Peter Parker now Tony Stark light before he was sort of the lovable loser Parker? <laughs> oh, it, it's to differentiate him from Miles Morales, who will now be the street level lovable loser character. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's why we have the Ultimate Universe. And yeah, this it's going to be one problem I have with Secret Wars. I like the Ultimate Universe. I don't think it was it was severely damaged, say after Ultimatum. But they did the they did their level best to kill it. Like once once they decided that <laughs> once they decided that they needed an out, they just went in there and and there was a biblical flood. <laughs> yeah. And it was terrible. And then when it still wasn't dead, they found other ways to get in there and strangle it in its crib. Oh, no. There was a biblical <laughs> flood and I believe vampires. And vampires. Because, yeah, I think Matt Murdock was killed by a vampire or some shit. Yeah, and I, I don't care. Or or that might have been Ultimates 3, which was also Jeff Loeb. And Jeff Loeb should... Stop. Should just stop. stop. Just, just stop, stop. Jeff. Stop. <laughs> Shh, Jeff. It'll, it'll be, go back to TV. Look into the TV light. It'll be over soon, Jeff. <laughs> It'll be all <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's a, and the problem is not even the the lateness. It's the story. I think betrays almost every character in the Marvel universe. It's a, the whole time runs out, and Valeria telling Reed you have to figure out how not to lose. Mm-hmm. So you get what amounts to huge chunks of the Marvel universe, superhero-wise, just being self-involved douche canoes, <laughs> saying, oh my, how do I save me? The world is ending. Billions will die. But how me. do I save me? Because I'm important enough. Maybe I can recreate the unit. And yeah, all these people around me screaming will be dead. They'll die screaming and terrified. But if I survive, maybe I can create... A different universe of terrified sheep who can also worship the fact that I saved at least some form of reality. It's it's not very heroic, is it? No, it was it was horrible. <laughs> you know, you look at Crisis on Infinite Earths, where everyone went down at the key moments of the Supergirl fighting the Monitor, knowing she's going to lose. The Flash trying to defuse that cannon, knowing it was going to kill him just to try to buy more time to try to save as many people as possible. And it, it didn't work. Universes fell, but to the last hero they fought. Yep. And here it's like, I got a lifeboat. Can we get Spider-Man on the lifeboat? Go get Spider-Man. Yeah. Marvel, I'm going to do me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I'm saving me. Yeah. <laughs> but, and even, okay, so we get past that and now there's Battle World. You know, we've stopped continuity completely to do a bunch of one-off Secret Wars titles, and some of those titles were fun. Yep. Thor's by Jason Aaron was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. Some mm-hmm. There were some creators who took the chance of, okay, here's a book that's completely self-contained. It doesn't matter, so let's have fun with it, and they right. had fun. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them I liked. But, I mean, did we need Planet Hulk? Yeah. yeah we're Captain America and fucking dead Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> Are trying to hunt down Bucky, and the biggest mystery is whether Cap and Bucky were fucking before this happened. I mean, okay. And it's frankly, and looking at DC did the same thing, and they slapped it together, called it convergence, just did it to cover the fact they were moving offices. Yeah, and they did most of those better. 
Because it was tighter and shorter. <laughs> yeah, it was. They were two issue series. Yep. Um, and a lot of times, DC took the opportunity to to not only bring back old versions of characters, but creators on those characters they hadn't seen work on them for. Oh a while. yeah, the Ambush Bug Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, by Keith Giffen, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marv Wolfman on New Teen Titans, yep. Greg Rucka on R- Rene Montoya's Question. Yep. Yeah, all right. You also had Scott Lobdell doing Blue Beetle as sort of a knockoff Watchman, but I-, I think we all suspect the kind of photos that Scott has of Bob Harris, so I don't think we're going to be able to totally get around Scott Lobdell right a while. Yeah, for a while we were we were toying with having um, worst individual and best individual issues, and uh, yeah, the, the most recent Teen Titans that I, I read which is Lobdell. I was going to put on there just because it's like, there's nothing has changed. You've brought nothing new to this. You've changed nothing in the time that you've written it. Yeah. If you're interested in our opinion on that, check out last week's yeah. episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, they wiped out the ultimate universe, which I, I got a soft spot for. And in the end, it was a lot of sturm and drang and everything's going to change. And then not much did. Yep. So yeah. Well, Jessica Drew's pregnant. What are you accusing me? I don't even no, know her. I'm just saying that's that's different. <laughs> sure, and and now it's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur instead of Moon Boy, which is 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 a cute concept. Oh, it's, it's a yeah. The first issue was fun. I read the second issue. The second issue, uh, the the cavemen learn to speak English poorly. Well, and they get clothes, <laughs> pants. Not important for this show, yeah, but important but... on a day to day basis. So. But yeah, it's, you know, it's no crisis. <laughs> no, it's not. No, in the end, it's, you know, a, a, a loud noise signifying nothing. Marvel went on almost the same as it ever did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, oh, you don't want to catch the ending. I know the ending. Everything <laughs> sort of goes back to normal. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called status quo, yeah, I think. You drop the uh, the ultimate hero that were, heroes that we're selling, which are basically Spider-Man. You drop him into the main Marvel universe, and we all move on with our lives. Yeah. Then we pretend that the X hundred dollars that we spent to try and follow Secret Wars, so we could even remotely talk about it intelligently on this show, meant the goddamn thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, moving on from that, then. Wait, I need a sip of vitamin B. My throat's starting to go. Oh, the dear. pills are wearing off. Uh-oh. Our, our next category is going to be best and worst story arc or graphic novel. Yes. Right. <laughs> we should start with best because that's where my notes are. We should. All right. So, Amanda. I gave um, honorable mention to Archie versus Predator because, oh. damn. <laughs> okay. Um, just in general, the, the Archie line has been doing a lot of fun stuff, um, with, with their characters in just ridiculous situations. And it works. Like the, the one off that was Archie versus Sharknado was just. Uh, yeah. It's uh, all of those books are more fun than, than they probably have any right to be. So because they've been bringing me joy, Archie versus Predator, because Predator. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, Alex DeCompi, right? Yep. Yeah. She's been doing a lot of cool stuff this year that, uh, was it No Mercy? Yep, No Mercy, uh, with Carla Speed McNeil. Yep, and, uh, Speed. <laughs> speed. Um, uh, something else that, uh, would, oh, uh, was it Grindhouse Agent of Booty? That, oh, God, that, that really was awesome. <laughs> Easily my favorite writer this year, I think, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. It's definitely did a lot of stuff that, that caught 
my eye that you know I had known her name for a while, but some yeah, I don't want to say mainstream. I'm not sure Archie's mainstream even these <laughs> days, but some stuff that we definitely picked up just based on her name. So so that's cool. Yeah. Um. I also gave honorable mention to uh, the continued adventures in Wicked and the Divine. Okay. Because um, that that did drop at the end of last year, but has remained very solid this year um, as an exploration of uh, fame, I guess is the best way to look at it in pop culture and how we sort of deify that with these actual literal gods that are walking among people in the story. Um, it's just, it's an interesting exploration, I think, of that. No, it's a, that's been a solid book. It's, it's one of those books that there are enough characters and how they all fit together. It's always, I enjoy the, the book on an issue by issue basis. And then after I get two or three issues along, it's like, yeah, I hope the trade comes out soon so I can go back and revisit right. who are you again and why are you tied to this person? So there's a huge mythology and continuity going on there that, that I find can be a little hard to keep track of. But again, on an issue by issue basis, I'm really enjoying it. Kieran Gillen's been doing, between that and Uber yeah. and, uh, and <laughs> Darth Vader, you know, yeah, he, he's been having as good a year as anybody. <laughs> Um, I, for, for my best of the year, I gave it to Southern Bastards, which is Jason Aaron, Jason Latour. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I don't know why I just, that was useless. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that book has been solid right from the beginning. Did that debut last year? I think it was the year before. It might have. I mean, that, and that's sort of the problem with some of the, like they, they dropped, some of them dropped near the end of last year. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, one of my high points of, uh, Boston Comic Con this year was Jason Latour was there and he was selling trade number two, which I don't think it dropped yet. Yeah. And I brought my first trade in and got little sketches and yeah. Yeah, it was a cool dude. It's, it's weird. We are as far from Southern as anybody can possibly be. We were born and bred in New England. Uh, I've spent probably a grand total of 60 days of my life south of the Mason Dixon line. But yeah, it just, it it brings that area into such weird focus and to, to just stuff I'd never thought of and certain things that are kind of stereotypes. Yep, you suck up that fucking meth and then barbecue. That's what I suspected went on. Yeah. And then such depth of character. All right, small town is small town. And okay, down there it may be football, whereas up in the north it's baseball or marijuana. Yeah. Or, so it's... it's it's hard to be totally, and with underneath it, just this sort of local crime story and local scumbags are local scumbags no matter where you are. Yep. So, yeah. It's, it's definitely a love letter to the South, but anybody who's lived in a small town, a stagnant small town, <laughs> yeah, can relate to, you know, to just the, the goings on and the politics and the personalities. I had this moment when I was a kid here. Here, here's my, um, obligatory sad Amanda story from childhood. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, so I, I had this moment and this is when I realized I had to get out of my small town and, and, and move. Okay. One, one of, one of many series, um, of, of these moments, but this was the first one that I can really remember. And it was, I went to, uh, we ha- we would always have an annual book fair at the town hall and they would, they would schlep us elementary school kids down there and we'd have X amount of like dollars on us to buy books so that we could be encouraged to read. And I looked around at all of the volunteers standing at the tables, um, to help us, you know, buy the books. And I recognized every single one of them from my parents' yearbooks. And I said this moment of not me. This will not be me. 
<laughs> and and I got out. So that was kind of an anticlimactic story. <laughs> but, but good story, bro. Cool story. <laughs> no, but it's it's the same sort of like the the in the in the initial arc of Southern Bastards, the guy comes home and the same people are there. Nobody left. Like it's. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's. It, I didn't grow up in a small, small town, but I, I grew up in a a suburb, kind of halfway in between Boston and Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't truly urban yet, truly small town. But uh, yeah, the you know far more people got out than didn't. But yeah, going through high school, you would see the people who didn't and would go to the same high school parties. Yeah, it's like, aren't you like twenty two? And what are you doing? Here? <laughs> and yeah, occasionally one would yeah pull it pull a high school girl it's like well what's wrong with you but that kind of it's i'm not going anywhere i love it here this is where i belong this is and eventually that has to die out you would think yeah except for small towns if nobody leaves but you know so yeah it's a no matter where you're from there's always going to be a certain contingent that just never goes and it's no this is my everything you know it's and they're telling the same high school stories in bars and i think the only difference as to where that is normalized is how big a town it is yeah you know big enough town that's creepy <laughs> small enough town that's everybody and it's just sort of how people act yeah and that's one of the strengths of the book is okay you kind of get this is just small town it happens to me in the south another book that i would i would also put up there because I, I was i couldn't just pick one best <laughs> and i know that the graphic novel dropped in hardcover this year even if the issues came out earlier was high crimes by chris sabella oh yeah that that was uh high crimes was going on for a while and uh yeah we got to interview him this year yeah. which was a lot of fun well it was it was interesting he's, <laughs> he's an intense dude yeah there was some fun there was also some oh you're right jesus you want to end it all now let's take a pact <laughs> but uh yeah no that was a really solid book you know in in ways i wasn't anticipating because uh, yeah you think mount everest and you know it's oh it's gonna be giant and no, it really gives you a sense of it's like I think he said in the interview, you know, which he I forget where he got it from. It's like, yeah, if, if Everest was at sea level, children would do it. It's just <laughs> the fact that it's thirty thousand feet in the air. Yeah, it's not that steep. It's not that hard. But he, he's another writer this year, um, up up there with um, Alex DeCampi in terms of I've just really enjoyed reading everything that he's done this year. Oh yeah, that and uh, Dead Letters I think was mostly last year. It's continued in digital, so I'm sort of waiting for that to be finally yep. collected. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, uh, his run on um, Escape from New York. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, he's done a lot of good stuff this year. Yeah. I only had one runner-up. Okay. Which was Miami Vice Remix. Oh God, by, how could I forget that? By Joe Kelly and uh, sorry, Joe Casey and a uh, Jim Mafood. Yeah. Which was just fucked up, man. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that Excuse was a wild me. book. That was that was a fever dream of a book. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it sort of embraced. Okay, Miami Vice. It, yeah, sometimes there were, you know, alien priests and the CIA and the KGB. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and and fucking Phil Collins would just show up. <laughs> and it's, all right, so just imagine this fucked up unit that just constantly would blow things up, and there was a shootout every week. What if that just was reality, and it continued for like 25 years, and nobody ever progressed? The world progressed, but they didn't. And yeah, okay, zombies. We'll have a zombie pill, and that's a new drug, and the Calderones are still around. And just over the top, and embracing how over the top the original show was by just bumping it up just that one extra step. That I remember in the first issue just acknowledging, oh shit, we blew up another Ferrari. I hope there's <laughs> another one, an impound. It was just 
big and fun and sort of winking it. Yeah, the original show was kind of dumb, but we loved it. So let's let's just do it again with more more big and more dumb. God, I had so much fun with that book. <laughs> okay. So that was my runner up. Um my uh my main one uh and I, I treated it sort of like a mini series just because it only ran nine issues before Secret Wars knocked it out mm-hmm. was uh Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Okay. Uh written by Al Ewing. In nine issues, we got the two main things for me were the inclusion of Next Wave by Warren Ellis okay. into Marvel Universe continuity in issues five, six, and seven. Um th- those were issues the story titles included Kicksplode <laughs> and Not in Continuity. Nice. Yeah, I mean, those are the issues that put Spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo, put her back into her next wave trench coat, acknowledged her fight with Machine Man yep. and <laughs> Captain Captain and, and, and the Beyond Corporation. And yeah, it's a, the, the great quote as she just embraces it. She's like, I bet it was funny from the outside. I bet everybody had a really good laugh. <laughs> well, Auntie Monica's not fucking laughing. <laughs> but instead of fucking, it was the skull and crossbones yeah. <laughs> that Ellis used to use for the, oh, it was just, okay, yep. Next Wave is one of my favorite oh, Marvel comic story. series. Yeah. That was one of the high points of the trip to Chicago. I never managed to pick it up in trade and it hasn't been around. And yeah, at a, a bookstore that, uh, one of our listeners from Chicago, Keith, mm. pointed out to us, I was able to find, yeah, the the original expanded edition trade of the entire series. And so the, that was that was one of my victories this year. It's like, oh, finally, because I'd reread them in issues and then put them in storage when we were getting ready to move. But There are um, some other, other titles that um, I wanted to talk about, <laughs> but they didn't quite make the cut. But I've enjoyed uh, the run on Starfire that Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are doing. That's been a lot of fun. Batman Europa, which I think we're in issue three now at this point. Yeah, it just came out this week, which I've not read this week yet. Um, that's just a really, really cool take on what would happen if, what would drive Batman and the Joker to have to partner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, the possible inevitable deaths of the characters. Yeah. Well, we've seen that a few times over the years. Yeah. Um, the artwork also on it is just stunning. It's, it's really, uh, it looks like the painted. <laughs> yeah. It's been a good looking book so far. Gotham by Midnight just wrapped up, um, with issue 12. And that came to a really, uh, solid conclusion. Uh, that was a great book. I, I, it really was. I loved it to death. Ray Fox was the, uh, the writer was the on it. Just, I wish that they would be give. I wish they would give it more of a chance. I, I understand that they're going to go off in different directions, but it was a really cool take on on the idea of the specter. Like, what if it wasn't like the hand of of God's vengeance? What if, um, what if it was driven by the human that was the the carrier? <laughs> well, it was a, uh, and, and we saw him at C two E two at the Batman uh, panel. Uh, the editor of the the Bat books, Mike Martz, I think is the name, but I could be completely misremembering. Okay. Again, the pills are starting to wear off. Um, but he he said his theory since uh, he's been taking over the Bat books is there should be a, a Bat book for everybody. Yeah. So you get, uh, okay, for horror fans, there's uh, Gotham by Midnight. For younger readers, there's Gotham Academy. So he's really been making an effort with that. It, it's a shame this is the first one to sort of peter out because, yeah, it's been solid in uh, – Solid all along, and uh, who was it? Temple Smith did the art at least early on. Early, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I'll miss that one. So that was those. Those are some of my sort of wrap up memories. 
But one thing I want to bring up uh, again about Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, it was not just the inclusion of Next Wave, but the last two last days issues that were going on during the time runs out. Right. Where they were as solid a story indictment of how everybody, and particularly the Illuminati, was acting mm. going into Secret Wars as I've seen anywhere in Marvel. I mean, particularly, I forget the exact quote, but when there was a thing where Blue Marvel was trying to convince uh, Reed Richards of something, and Reed's whole attitude is, I've been very generous with my time, and really... Yeah. Ewing went out of his way to show these people are being dicks. You know, what what some of you are thinking, Rob, Amanda, about how <laughs> the Illuminati in particular, I'm saving me. Yeah, yeah, that's wrong. That's not how heroes should act. Right. And yeah, Monica just dressing down Captain America and Iron Man saying, we are going to save the world and then we are going to have words. Yeah. And just being unable to do it. But at the same time, the volunteers for the the Avengers, the Mighty Avengers helpline talking to people who are suicidal because oh my it's God. the end of yeah. the world. And it's, yeah, these are heroes. We're, of anybody in the Marvel Universe, it's the Mighty Avengers trying to stop it and trying to help the people who are destined to be annihilated by it. It was as strong an indictment of why the fuck is Marvel doing this? This is not how Marvel heroes should act as I saw in any title coming out of Marvel. Yeah. So the combination of, yeah, give me next wave, that's fun. And no, I'm with you. I don't think that the Illuminati, the Avengers should be acting in this way. It was a not just we'll acknowledge the fun of next wave, but okay, we're in this together. And don't worry, we'll have some books after all this is done. But yeah, for, for the people out there going, yeah, this is not right. You're right, this isn't right, but don't worry. There's some of us who are, yeah. are still on board with what a Marvel superhero should be. Right. Right. So yeah, it's for it's it was uh, as far as I know it was not a huge seller. It was certainly not a marquee book, but goddamn for for 5 months it was the Marvel comic where it's like this is what I want out of Marvel. Right. So absolutely my my favorite. Okay. So so, I'm going to open another can of beer so I don't do nothing but cough into the microphone for the next half hour. Talking about the worst, and again, it's it's hard because if something's not good, then I just stop reading it. Yeah. But you, there's there's one book that I can't stop reading right now because we have to talk about it. Okay, here, wait, hold on. Uh, so this is the uh, worst story art graphic novel of 2015. Yep. And that would be DK3, The Master Race. <laughs> book's so bad. Must warn others. Just... <laughs> not good it's just not good just make make Azzarello and Miller stop Miller stop just stop oh sorry <laughs> I don't feel as strongly about it yet uh, I don't think it's off to a good start uh, I think it is an extremely terrible idea to open your Batman book your third sequel to one of the great Batman stories of all time and imply that Batman is dead Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a terrible idea to have a second issue that is uh, sort of mostly, oh, let's let's do the old trope that we've seen in all these movies. We'll bring the antagonist, if you can consider Carrie Kelly antagonist, <laughs> is the second in her own book, basically, uh, into police headquarters to influence the police commissioner. Um, it, 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 like I said when we talked about it a week or two ago, it felt like filler. 
Yeah. Okay, this is going on, and ooh, there's an escape, and look, it's the big tank Batmobile. Don't you like the big tank Batmobile? And oh, it turns out the people in Candor, they're dicks. We're going to fight the Kryptonians again. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you get through the end of the second issue, 60-something or 80-something story pages between the mini-comic and that, and that's the first time you see Batman, it's a, I've got some problems with it. But it's early enough. I, it, it's weird. What I'm trying to hang on to, as I've said for years, if it's not a crime comic, Brian Azzarello shouldn't be allowed to write anything longer than his own name. <laughs> but Batman Europa has really been good. Yeah. So he can write a Batman. So it could unravel at the same time and rate as Dark Knight. It absolutely could. Yep. But I think this has problems. It's early enough. I'm willing to continue to give it the benefit of the doubt. Bat- Batman Europa works because it is a crime story. It's a mystery that's being solved by Batman with the help of the Joker. Yes. This is not a crime story. This is a, a social commentary <laughs> that is that is thinly veiled as as a Batman story. Yeah, but up to a certain point you could make that same argument about Dark Knight. Yeah. You know, with you know, ooh, the the liberal psychologists want to release the Joker and I think it's a good idea to let Harvey go out there and finish his therapy on the street and he immediately disappears. And everything is through a television lens and tells you how to think about things and Dark Knight had the had the benefit of even though it was thinly veiled the story and and or the 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 issues and the backdrop of the story were reasonably well in terms of how they were interwoven and it was laid out in a really cool sense because Miller was using these sort of short panels as like a television screen. Oh yeah, the 16 panel game. <laughs> yeah. Um so it was exciting if if not, you know, I don't know. Do you go back now and say, all right, now that I've, I've lived through all of these other stories and other ways to tell Batman stories, do you still feel as strongly about Dark Knight as you did the first time you read it? I mean, it's, that's almost an impossible thing to say. It was, it was a product of its time. Yeah. You know, there are certain viewpoints in there that people argue are problematic. Um, you know, did, <laughs> but I, I'm always going to have a soft spot for it. It's always going to be a powerful story to me because, it's like the first time you see, you know, it's like, does Pulp Fiction hold up? Right. Well, no, of course not. Because you know what? Since then, there have been a million Tarantino knockoffs, and Tarantino doesn't even do fucking crime stories anymore. Yeah. But when I saw it, there was nothing like it. It had a powerful effect on me. And same thing with Dark Knight. You know, does it hold up? Uh, not 100%. Yeah. But nothing's going to take away the effect that it had. And constantly going back to the well is not necessarily going to bring that feeling back dark night strikes again yeah so well, sorry the pills are wearing off Ugh! no well that's and that's just where i'm I'm going with that i, I think that there's going, always going to be a certain segment of of miller's uh fans and and readers who are going to buy what he does and and like what he does um but there's going to be other folks who don't feel that it stands up and that it diminishes his previous work by continuing to turn out the same thing and go back to the well. <sighs> Look, and I'm not going to tell Frank to stop writing. I might tell him to stop writing Holy Terror. Hey-o! <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. I couldn't find the button for a second. That's okay. But, uh, you know, and, and it comes down to how much of Frank, uh, how much of this is actually written by Frank. I mean, you pointed out the whole, the, 
people coming Islamophobic out of, thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the people coming out of Candor as terrorists, you know, and okay, religious fanatics. All right, I didn't pick that up. That could very well be Frank. But then again, I have a, I have more of a soft spot for All Star Batman and Robin mm-hmm. than I do for Dark Knight Strikes Again. Okay, and so I think Frank has the ability to visit this universe and do something interesting with it. Yeah, something interesting to the point of maybe, oh, this is not working to start with, but if you take a step back and look at it in a certain way, it works better than you originally thought. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's right now, like, I want to withhold judgment. I would like to like this. I'd like to believe that when it's all said and done, it's something where even if it's that wasn't good, maybe if I read it again in a year, I find something redeeming in it the way I do with All Star Batman and Robin. Okay. And do not find. In Dark Knight Strikes Again. <laughs> okay, that's valid. So, what was what was your worst? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I may have to disqualify it from the future because of something I said this year. But uh, yeah, The Walking Dead, all issues in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, that's that's enough. Everyone, stop it. Can't make it stop. There we go. Okay. Apparently, if I don't press the buttons in order again, they don't stop. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this was the year where I forget which episode I said. It, Kirkman's, Robert Kirkman's pacing has become so slow and fucking irritating and meandering that I, I recommended the single issues aren't worth it anymore. Okay. You know, get the trades and, and maybe get two or three trades stacked up before you dive in. Um, and I'll still, I'll stand by that recommendation because ironically, this is also the year that when we moved mm-hmm. and didn't have cable for a while, this is the first year in a while I reread the entirety of The Walking Dead from issue one because I do have all the trades. Okay. Um, this is one of the rare books where I, I read the first issue or two I got my hands on, which were seven and eight and got the first trade, uh, and told our local comic store owner, Give me these trades as they come out because I want to make sure I have the entire story. Yeah. So, yeah, I read everything from the first issue up through All Out War. And All Out War, reading it month by month, it's like, this is not good. This is slow. It's interminably paced. Negan is just, I I hate him and I know I'm supposed to hate him. But for 18 months, I've hated him and he wins and he wins and he wins. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. Reading it in the trades was easier. Um. So yeah, this holds up when you've got the trades and you've got a lot of story to get through. On a month by month basis, he's writing, <laughs> he's writing what he learned for the television show as best I can tell. It just, it takes forever. Yeah. And it's weird because I think last year, the thing I was looking most forward to, my winner for that was Walking Dead because we were finally <laughs> done with All Out we War. Were free of Negan. It's like, okay, some stuff can start. We can start getting, things can move along. We and, have hope. Yeah, but no, it didn't fucking work out. It's, <laughs> you know, the, the high point of the year was seeing the Whisperers be such effective killers and putting heads on sticks and showing that they're such, you know, potentially a a, a good antagonist for, yeah. for Rick and everybody. But otherwise, it's the Negan, es- Negan escapes. Uh, and then he gets recaptured, kind of. That's a dud. Now we've got, oh, Rick's asking Negan for advice, and we knew that was going to happen, and we got this slow burn rebellion against Rick and Maggie, and it goes on and on and on, yeah. and it just takes forever to get anywhere. 
And on top of that, this is the year Carl got his dick wet after Lydia licked his empty eye socket. There's a visual. It's not going to leave me. No. It's a boner killer. <laughs> it just happens. It pops up in the night and I wake up screaming. I'm sorry. And it's, uh, yeah, I was so enthusiastic about it. I, I got a good feeling about Walking Dead this year. And it's now it's more of the same. And again, it, it's weird and it's hard because collected so you can burn through this slow shit, it still works. It stands up. I hated All Out War. I look back at reviews that we did, going back to 2012, 13, and episodes that we talked about. It took forever. So the pacing sucked. This is awful. But it holds up if you've got both trades of it and can go through it at a reasonable speed. Yeah. It's just the single issues. I, I can't do it anymore. It's, 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 it's giving out story with an eyedropper. Yeah. And it's, it's painful and it, and it feels, I, 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 even if the story is solid, it just doesn't give you enough reason to want to come back to it on a monthly basis. Yeah. It's, if I'm paying three bucks a month. Yeah. You know, so that's $15 for five issues, which means $30 for 10. If I can get two trades of 12 issues total, it, it's more cost effective to just buy the trades. Yeah. And, and again, it holds up in the trades. It's just, it's so fucking frustrating because yeah. it was so tight for so goddamn long where it was six issues and out, six issues and out. Yeah. And now it's 12, 18. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's all right. You don't have to. Oh, I'm sorry, Robert. Look, man, I was at your first spotlight at San Diego Comic-Con in 2006. You remember? You were in a back room. You had a <laughs> deck of cards. You said, I brought a deck of cards because I didn't think anybody would show up. I wanted to love you. Stop learning from TV people. <laughs> if TV people knew shit, they wouldn't be pulling you out of Kentucky to make you their money, motherfucker. <laughs> Do what's right. <laughs> God damn it. Do the right thing, Robert Kirkman. Thank you. Good night. Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. No, it's, I, I... My teeth are a little gritty. <laughs> I think I'm going to go lie down. All right. Well, with that being said, then... <sighs> What are, what are you most anticipating for this coming year? I gave this a lot of thought, and there's a lot of stuff to anticipate. There is. Um, you know, there's uh, Batman versus Superman, which, while I think they screwed the pooch on their last trailer, I'm still looking very forward to. There's supposedly up on Reddit somewhere um, the, the story of a man who allegedly got into a pre-screening that they had recently. And he's got a, a photo um, that he's posted of of his past that's supposed to be his proof that he got in, where he gets into a very detailed and, if true, spoiler-laden discussion of what happens in Batman vs. Superman. So that, that's out there now. <laughs> well, it might be something to look for because I'm one of the, like I said during the Star Wars show, I'm not particularly afraid of spoilers. There's There's a link to it through Bleeding Cool. All right. I'll see if I can find that, but... Yeah, it's a, yeah, I think the trailer gave away too much and too much not in a great way, but I'm still looking forward to it. I mean, Jesus, Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to. I put that on my list, yeah. That's high on my list of, of things I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, getting back to non-Secret Wars Marvel. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff just in comics. Uh, the one I picked is a little left to center and it's a little weird, but, uh, and part of it is more hopes that they can do a little more with it than they've announced. Okay. 
but I'm going to go with uh, Rom the Space Knight <laughs> and Micronauts coming from IDW Comics. Nice. So, okay. <laughs> nice. I don't know why I keep doing this, but... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all right. But, uh, look, I, I loved Micronauts when I was a kid. I, I collected Micronauts. I had God knows how many time travelers because you needed a lot of time travelers because the things with the Micronaut uh, figures was stuff came off them. So like, <laughs> like the entire hand would come off at the wrist and you remove chest plates and like feet. So yeah, you would lose pieces. So you'd have to get like a million time travelers. Cause it's like, Oh shit. I lost his less, lost his left <laughs> hand and mom vacuumed it up. I need another time traveler. Give me two bucks, mom. Um, so yeah, I, I had a ton of them. And so I bought the comics because I had the toy and the brilliant thing that Marvel and Bill Mantlo did with Micronauts was give them a backstory. Cause they didn't have any. They were just toys. They were, I, I did some research. They were licensed from these Japanese toys called Micro Men or something. Yeah. But there was no story behind them. It, it turned out this Japanese toy company realized, wow, in Japan, people live in small houses. So small toys, we could probably sell more of them because they don't take up the entire toy room. That was the entire story behind them. Okay. So yeah, Mantlo came up with the Microverse. Uh, and, and Baron Kara's role in it and how there was a rebellion going on. It's a certain amount of Star Wars based in it because, you know, let's face it, 78, 79 when it first came out. But, uh, yeah, and, and how Time Traveler moved to Earth and how everything then could fit in with the actual Marvel Universe. Okay. Was, uh, yeah, I mean, the two stories I remember was, uh, yeah, there was, I think this is from the first or second issue was, yeah, as the Micronauts break through to Earth, they have a massive battle with Karza's forces just in this kid's backyard. <laughs> so it's this massive space battle in a backyard. That's the entire scope of it. And there's like a swing set involved. <laughs> and it was just, you know, if you're eight, nine years old, it's like, that would be the coolest fucking thing that would ever happen to me. It, That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and uh yeah, there was a, the Enigma force took over that kid's dad in like issue eight and made him Captain Universe. It was the first appearance of Captain Universe, but it gave him the power to fight Baron Karza. And I still remember there was this giant double-page spread of, yeah, this Air Force captain, but he's Captain Universe fighting Baron Karza, just this horrible punching each other up close and <laughs> almost touching dicks. And it's, so it's a, I loved that shit when I was a kid. And But the problem is all that stuff's out of print. I never got into ROM. Okay. I, I never bought the ROM books as good a reputation as they've gotten over the years. I never got them because that's not a toy I had. Yeah. So it, it didn't have any connection to me. Um, but I mean, that has such a reputation. It, it's one of those, uh, oh, I should really pick that up. And yeah, the, uh, the announcement right now is, uh, it's going to be a ROM ongoing by Christos Gage and Chris Ryall. They're going to okay. be writing it. Uh, the Micronauts one's going to be written by Colin Bunn. Oh. So it's, it's not only, the the kid nostalgia of yeah okay give me a new Micronauts book because also IDW generally puts out solid books yeah you know and you know having met Chris Ryle at this year's Boston Comic Con yeah he's editor in chief he's just another goddamn Generation X fanboy like the rest of us <laughs> just clearly having fun he's like yeah okay I can get that book uh, great uh, let me co-write that just because I've always <laughs> wanted that as a kid one of the things when he announced uh, IDW had the license. Uh, apparently he went to some, uh, bookbinder mm. who does just independent custom jobs and he sent them his entire run of rom comics and had them printed into a custom 
uh, four four book hardcover collection. That's pretty cool. So clearly he likes it, but again, so it's it, it'll be fun to. Uh, okay, show me these new versions of these comics I read as a kid. But what I'm kind of hoping is, look, IDW has worked with Marvel in the past to put out artist editions and various collections. Kind of hoping they can do that. Give me a collection of the old ROM books. Yeah. Because they got such a reputation. Give me a collection of the old Micronauts ones. And for years, you could probably get them out of the quarter bin. It just never occurred to me. And now that it's starting to occur to me, I'm already fucked because Hasbro's (laughs) announced, oh, we're going to make our own cinematic universe with the Micronauts and ROM. And Mm -hmm. so it'll be like when I wanted to build the Suicide Squad collection earlier this year. It's (laughs) from after I read Copra. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, I want to get back into the old Suicide Squad. Oh, they're making a movie now. Suddenly, these quarter bin books are fifteen bucks a piece, <laughs> and you can't find them anywhere. It'll be the same thing with. So I'm hoping that not only can they come up with some cool new books that make me nostalgic for the ones I read as a kid, give me the actual ones I read as a kid. Show me the ones that I missed. See, I thought you were going to pick Copra for like your your graphic novel of the year. Uh, I I thought about it, but. Yeah, again, it's it's not self-contained. Copra is one of those weird things. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Now it's a pastiche of the Suicide Squad by Michael Fief. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but yeah, it's it's all pastiches. So you can tell who Deadshot is, and but since it's pastiches, there's also uh, Punishers in it. Yeah. As sort of their weapons trainer, <laughs> and Doctor Strange is in it. Yeah. But uh, he writes it, he draws it, he publishes it himself. And the best I can tell, the only way to get the actual individual issues is through his Etsy page. Okay. Which is not, I don't do a lot with Etsy, but it, yeah, every, you know, six months or a year, he collects six of them and puts them out through Bergen Street Press. And they're really good and they're solidly put together books. And those you can get through your local comic store. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, the third one just came out. Okay. Um, but yeah, since it's, a collection of individual issues that I haven't got, and the one I got, I think, is like really almost eight months old. Okay. I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, this thing that's eight months old that half the free world is probably aware of and just doesn't know how to get it. But, yeah, if you in any way like Suicide Squad or just good, solid superhero comics, that yeah, go to your local store owner. They'll be able to get the Copra trades. There's three of them, and I think, I, and yeah, I think they're 20 bucks a piece. Okay. But totally worth it. Well, all right. So, so yeah, ROM IDW. That's my <laughs> most anticipated. All right. Um, you you mentioned Captain America: Civil War. That's on my list of of things I'm I'm anticipating highly. Sure. Um, also, because it comes out earlier, and it'll it'll be good to kind of place hold in until Captain America: Deadpool drops in February. Oh yeah. God, the trailers for that have looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it just looks like so much fun, and and it's good. I, I'm glad that Ryan Reynolds is finally getting a genre vehicle that seems to be just sort of tailor made for him after after years of trying to to get his foot into a franchise. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Green Ar- Green Arrow, I think Green Lantern is not as bad as it gets slammed for. Yeah, it's not great, but it's it's not as bad as it it gets slammed for. Right, and, and the things that make it bad, I don't think have anything to do with him. Well, I mean, it's just, you watch over the years, you know, he, he got into like Blade Trinity. Sorry that that was the one that you got into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he was in the remake of Amityville Horror. Then, yeah, the Green Lantern movie. Uh, and then 
he was Wade Wilson in the Wolverine Origins movie, and then they fucked up the character and didn't even let him get to be Deadpool after the operation. Right. But he was easily the best part of that movie before he got yanked out of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know you got a soft spot for that movie, but you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so now, yeah, he gets to to reprise Deadpool in, in exactly the right way. Yeah, it's now the the uh, the effects from Blur Studios look solid that we've seen so far, yeah. and yeah, God, whoever leaked the original Blur Studio test footage <laughs> that had the uh, that had his his voiceover in it, yeah, <laughs> oh, God, Ryan Reynolds, if they find out who it is, should pay whatever defense costs he needs. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's what got people excited about it. And, yeah, it looks fun. Yeah. It's not going to be for everybody. Number one, yeah, if you're not Generation X or younger, you don't know who the fuck Deadpool is. My dad, who loves comics, but he loves comics from the Silver Age. He has no idea who Deadpool is. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, my dad, who watches Fox News, will (laughs) hear about Deadpool. If there's not a scene in there of Deadpool with his dick and a chimichanga, they're not trying hard enough, (laughs) my dad will become upset and uh, will write a strongly worded letter to somebody. But, but yeah, it's that does look like a lot of fun. On the TV side, uh, we got Game of Thrones returning, um, and oh, yeah. they're gonna start to spoil the book apparently at this point. Uh, yeah, George R. <laughs> R. Martin uh, announced on his blog this week that yeah, he's blown his deadline twice. Uh, there's no chance in hell that the next book, uh, Winds of Winter, I think it is, uh, will come out before <laughs> the debut of the new season in mid-April. I think. Yeah. So, so we got that to look forward to. It's it's also a good time again to to be a, a geek watching television. X Files is coming back for a miniseries. Um, yeah, you got a softer spot for that <laughs> than I do because, like I think we've said before, number one that came out on Fridays. Yeah, in uh, the early '90s. So I was in my 20s and I was doing road comedy, so I wasn't around to see it. And even when I did see it, my initial thing was they're just trying to knock off Twin Peaks. Yeah. Now. When we first moved in here and didn't have cable for a couple of weeks, we watched the, the DVDs seasons, that you had, yeah. and it's it's solid. I'd like to go back and revisit it. Yeah, but but yeah, it's you still to this day have a stronger feeling about it than I do. It was it was good Friday night television. I didn't have I I had gotten out of college. I had moved back home and was living with my mother and had nothing else to do on Fridays. Yeah, so it was get delivery and watch the X Files. I was telling cock jokes to strangers in the back of Chinese food restaurants. Not the kind of Chinese food restaurants you'd go to order Chinese food in. <laughs> um, Legends of Tomorrow uh, is going to premiere near the end of this month. I am looking forward to that. I think uh, that's that, going to be a lot of fun. That could be a hell of a superhero slash Doctor Who slash two or three other genres kind yep. of shows. Um, Preacher is also coming out this year. With God as my witness, Dominic, what's his name? is too fucking old to be Jesse Custer, but okay, we'll see how it plays <laughs> out. Um. As far as as books that are going to drop uh, this week, actually, Swamp Thing number one with uh, oh by with uh, Len Wein and who, Kelly Jones art. Yeah, I, look, <laughs> the man created the character. Yeah, in the uh, that's the, why I'm excited about this. And the advanced art within ten pages, he's fighting a fucking alligator. Yeah, with Kelly Jones art. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and this book began this year, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about it between the move and and other things that have come up topically, but. Uh, Greg Rucka's Black Magic is going into issue four this month. Yeah, see, I have not read that yet. You've been picking it yeah, up, and it's, I've been meaning to grab your copies. <laughs> okay, it's it's a a police procedural, but what if the lead detective was also like an actual practicing witch? 
with actual magic. Okay. And what if there was um, an organization left over from the Dark Ages, Middle Ages, that was devoted to um, being a witch hunter? And what if they were beginning to target you? <laughs> hey, look, I got a soft spot for a certain amount of those things. It's I'm not the biggest urban fantasy fan in the world, but I like the Dresden File books and uh, Anton Strout's Simon Candorus. The, the whole idea of, yeah, I'm investigating supernatural crime in the modern world. And look, I'm a Constantine fan, for fuck's sake. They all come from that anyway, so. <laughs> um, and it's Nicholas Scott uh, art, so it's it's just a beautifully drawn book also. Okay. Yeah, and I suppose the big one that we sort of mentioned earlier, it's Spider-Man number one, Brian mm-hmm. Michael Bendis with Sarah Pacelli back on art for the first time since the first issue, few issues of Ultimate, okay. Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Yeah, I mean, we've sort of gotten a taste uh, from, oh, Christ, at this point I forget which Avengers book uh, Miles Morales and Ms. Marvel is in. Uh, I want to say Uncanny Avengers, but okay. shit, I forget. There's like five of them now. But uh, And I subscribe to all of them, so I just take them as they come. But uh, yeah, it's I need to see Bendis back on a Spider-Man book, for Christ's sake. It's, yes. It's been a while, even since Ultimate End. Um. And I don't know that I'd say this is my most anticipated, but also coming out later this month, just because the solicit was um, this entire line, um, a, a lesbian werewolf goes to war. Cry Havoc number one, uh, Cy Spurrier. <laughs> okay. Fair image. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, what about your mom? <laughs> no, no. So that just sounds interesting. <laughs> All right, it's Spurrier, he, he's not bad. It's some of his stuff I like better than others, but the the stuff I do like. He did that one weird thing about fairies that you really like. Oh yeah, I can't um, remember the title. No, because I, I, I just filed it in. We've unpacked our archives, and I just filed it. But that was called Vermintown. Okay, yep. And that's I, I enjoyed that. But you see, I for me also that hits on certain things. Where I grew up with all of the Brian Froud um, artwork fairy books um he had a whole series yeah. that he drew with fairies and um there was one on gnomes there was one on giants unicorns so i had all of those okay um and so for me that that book works on a on a variety of levels just in terms of getting into the nitty gritty of of fairies and and their communities <laughs> okay and and you know it's it was just it was a cool take on it okay all right, I just looked. We're we're over two hours. Should we do most dreaded? Yeah, let's do most dreaded. Okay. Yeah. So so, what what do you have? Because mine will not be popular. Um, my movie that I'm I'm dreading is X Men: Age of Apocalypse. I I think my reaction to this movie and my feelings about it is best summed up by I watched the trailer and the first words out of my mouth were "Shut up, Sansa." Uh, <laughs> She's got the right look to be Jean Grey. Yeah, okay. That's nice. So does Amy <laughs> Pond. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. And I think that would have been a better better casting choice, but Karen Gillan's busy being Nebula. Um <laughs> So I, I don't I'm not looking forward to that particularly. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um in terms of TV. Uh, now, uh, let's be fair. Days of Future Past was pretty solid. It's still Brian Singer who did the first two. Yeah. I think he's got a reasonable handle on X-Men. I think he does. I think a lot of it's going to come down to how he handles um, Apocalypse in this because 
at least the way that they've done the character makeup, he just looks weird. And I know it's a hard character to pull off anyway. Sure. But that sort of, like, I just keep looking at him going, ah. <laughs> it sort of yanks me out of the trailer. Okay. Fair enough. I've just seen the trailer once at one of the Star Wars viewings. Okay. Um, in terms of TV, I, I'm i kind of dreading Doctor Who, although I hear that there is supposed to be a new showrunner coming on. Um, and, I, and I forget who who that is or or where I heard that. I just... Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. I think there was a time during the season where Moffat thought he might yeah, be that leaving. Sounds right. um, and he felt okay with that because of the way the Clara storyline kind of ended. But uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's confirmed for next year. All right. Well, that's a bummer. But um, <laughs> it's just... It's... The show, it, the show improved this season, but it was still so wildly inconsistent from episode to episode. Um, and me and Clara are still spinning around out there, so they're not really done. Oh, um, no, we'll deal with their bullshit later. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep watching it, but I just, it's harder and harder for me to get excited about that show, and that, I, that makes me feel bad. <laughs> no, it's understandable. I also am dreading, um, Walking Dead pacing once Negan is revealed. <laughs> yeah. As far as TV goes, because the, the show has been, very strong, but we know what's about, as readers of the book, we know what's about to happen with, with Negan. And that's just such a long, drawn-out thing in the comic books. I hope that they take the opportunity to to trim the fat and speed it up so we're not stuck with Negan like they were stuck on the farm for season two. To play devil's advocate, the quickest way they could do it is a half season leading up to All Out War have the first half season of 2006 of fall 2016 be all out war maybe wrap it up in the spring piece mm. and then move on that would be nice i unfortunately suspect it will probably be paced exactly the same as all the negan stuff mm -hmm. with six months of leading up to all out war and all of next season being all out war yeah that's that's my concern which leads into uh, books that I'm I'm kind of dreading. The Walking Dead anniversary issue 150 is supposed to be a double page, a double length, 40 pages, uh, all for the low low price of 2.99. Um, in our 150th issue, the solicit says Rick Grimes finds himself betrayed. What kind? Of Must be Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just. It would. It's great that you're getting all that value for your two ninety nine, but it's not going to be great if if it's going to be forty pages of slog. Well, <laughs> it's possible. Um, we've established his individual issue pacing is not the best these days. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see what happens. I mean, let's issue one hundred. The pacing of the issue itself was not particularly crippling. Right. The onerous thing about that was, and we got covers for you. Boy, we got covers. <laughs> we got variant cover. To this day, our local comic store still has at least a couple of the least popular variant covers just up on the shelf. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I'm not sure what the variant cover situation is for one, for 150. Also, and here's, here's the other reason why I'm not keen on DK3. Um, they're using it as an opportunity to spin off other titles to milk this for all it's worth. So 
in January. Also, they'll be dropping a book called The Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade Number 1, written by Miller and Azzarello. This is a whole whole different storyline, and the solicit reads, Before the Dark Knight Returned, The Joker, Poison Ivy, Selina Kyle, and The Last Robin. And uh, well, uh, look, the market will speak. Uh, let's face it, we we tried it with All Star Batman and Robin, and yeah. while I feel better about that as time has gone by, uh, the market said, "Really, I'm the goddamn Batman." <laughs> the the market will not only speak uh, Miller's ability to keep up with deadlines these days. Now, let's face it, before this, his last released work was Holy Terror 2011, yeah, which I believe had been bumped from 2003 when it was an actual Batman book. It's uh, the Dark Knight universe stuff. It'll be what it'll be. And uh, you came up with categories and multiple choices. Yep. Yep. (laughs) We are a cynical people. So uh, what are you, what are you dreading? Yeah. This is the one where I'm going to take shit. I just came up with one. Uh, sadly, the thing I am dreading most in 2016 is, uh, Batman. (laughs) I know. I know. But hear me out. Hear me out. The the comic book Batman? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um look, I know I'm in the minority, but last year, uh 2014, we had the the long zero year origin story that popped out of ongoing continuity, you know, for the whole death of Robin thing, mm-hmm. which I don't blame Scott Snyder. I'd have done the same thing. It's oh really you're gonna kill Robin and everybody's gonna find out different ways to deal with it. Yeah, I'm just gonna go do this other thing. <laughs> Fine, okay. But it really didn't do a lot for me. It just, it seemed to go on and on and it didn't hook me in as much as his earlier, you know, few arcs up and up through Death of the Family. Okay. Uh, this year we had Endgame to start with. And that's a story that really tried to make its bones early on on the idea that the Joker was actually an immortal being who had haunted Gotham for centuries. And he doubled down on that issue after issue after issue, even though it's an idea that would completely invalidates the idea of the Joker being Batman's opposite number, which is important. But it's, it's also, it's a reaction to the, the fact the Joker being a reaction to a city that requires Batman. Yeah. It invalidates all of that. It's, uh, no, the Joker is not of the city. The city is of the Joker, and that's not right. Right. And, they double every issue. It was, no, we got some more clues and yep, turns out that's true. Or it seems that's true. And we got some more clues and nope, it turns out it seems that true. Right up until the very end where Scott Snyder just said, ah, and to this day, I don't know if right from the beginning he said, nope, I'm just going to keep stringing this out and pull the rug out and say, nope, it's bullshit. Or if he got enough backlash with, no, this is not how this Joker should be. Although as far as I can tell, I'm the only one who gave any backlash on it. No, I, I think because I, there's a reason I didn't pick that as, as the crossover <laughs> or event. Yeah. And, and I went with Robin War instead. Um, it just, by the end of it, it felt like a ploy to take Bruce Wayne off the table. Yeah. And I was going to say, the problem is he finally backpedaled the last second and said, no, nah, just kidding. It's the same Joker it ever was. But the problem is that backpedal went into apparently killing Batman and the Joker and taking him off the board, bringing us to Robo Bunny Batman. Yeah. You know, and that has been okay. Let's be fair. There's nothing innately wrong with, with Gordon as Batman stories, but it, it, all of them labor under the knowledge implicit in us who are comic book readers and recognize status quo is always 
the point that's returned to. Yeah. But also explicit in that Scott Snyder flat out said in C2E2, this is just going to be for a while. Bruce Wayne's going to be back. We know this is temporary. He's going to be back very soon. I mean, he basically, in the last issue that I read, was having the conversation with one of the Robins. And the kid's like, how do you not know who you are? (laughs) Yeah, with Duke. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Yep, he'll come back. Right at the end of the chaos of a bunch of untrained kids dressed as Robin in the Robin War yeah. to be able to take some control over the Robin situation. So editorially, yeah, how these stories are panning out makes a lot of sense. But the problem is we've had months and months and months of fucking Batman stories without Batman. No, that's that's valid. You know, and you can argue, you know, oh, no, we've got Batman. It's Jim Gordon. It's a, that's Those aren't Batman stories. Those are Jim Gordon stories. Right. And they're valid stories. And we're learning things about Jim Gordon that we didn't know before. Yeah. And that's valuable, but it's, it's not a Batman story. <laughs> Plus coming up, we're losing Greg Capullo and a large part of what mm. has made the new 52 Batman compelling all along is Capullo has been doing really solid art. It's been a good combination of old Miller and mm. McFarlane and Bray Fogle. And it's a solid style for Batman we're we're losing him. There's an issue 49. Uh, it's going to be Yannick Paquette. Okay. Uh, he's going to be doing that. Capullo's coming back for 50, but then he's taking at least six months off. We don't know who's coming in to take over because issue 50 is March and there aren't any DC April solicits yet. Right. So it'll still be Snyder writing it, but I don't know what the stories are. We don't know who the artists are. So, yeah, it's if I'm honest, between... Zero year with the idea that Gotham could, and it's, I've got to take it with a grain of salt. It's zero year. Oh no, Gotham's completely isolated. That's stupid, but I got a soft spot for, uh, for, for Batman. Uh, oh Christ. Shit. What's the, what was the story? I gotta say, fine. All right. Whatever. But yeah, between just a year of this ongoing Riddler story in zero year and then, okay, you're going to tell me the Joker is some Gordon. I, I don't have the full confidence that Snyder really still has Batman down mm. the way I felt he did with like Court of Owls and Death of the Family. And I'm all for trying new things. Yeah. You know, Gordon is Batman is a new thing, but those are Jim Gordon stories. You know, um, and the problem is having somebody new as Batman is never going to be as solid as when Dick Grayson took over after Final Crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and yeah, the whole idea of, well, at least here we can see what Jim, not Jim Gordon, what Bruce Wayne would be like if he didn't have to deal with the trauma of his parents' death. Well, we know what he'd be. He wouldn't be fucking Batman. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd probably be Brody fucking Jenner. It's just some rich douchebag rolling around with dad's money. Yeah. It's, you know, so it, it, the stories have not been bad, but it, they've they've not felt essential to me for a while and now we're coming up to a point where we're losing the art and these big statement stories that Snyder has clearly felt important about. All right, we don't know what's next. I'm worried. Okay. I'm I'm worried about it. That's that's valid. Maybe dread is a strong word, but No, I I think If you're going to do a dumb show like an awards show and on some controversy, fuck it. There you go. So All right. So, any any final thoughts? Um yeah, next year I'm, I want to not be sick to do this show. I, I agree. I agree. Um, one thing that I, I, I left out earlier in, in considering my choices, we're talking about um, 
best and worst genre TV shows. Yep. Um, I think an underrated show that people should be watching is iZombie. Oh, totally. Um, and that, that's just been fun. Um, it's got, it's got a great little Scooby gang. <laughs> Um, good little Scooby gang, good little villain who just chews the scenery everywhere he goes and clearly is having a blast just being this drug dealing douchebag. And, um, it was created by Rob Thomas for, for television based on Mike Allred's book. And Mike Allred and Chris Roberson Roberson, did the writing. Um, and Kristen Bell is going to be coming back for one episode. Um, she, she was Veronica Mars. Um, she'll and, be doing voiceover. And Rob over. Thomas was showrunner on Veronica yeah. Mars, so <laughs> she'll, that's she'll why doing, that fits. Yeah, so that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, that's one of those shows where last season I really enjoyed it. When the new season came up, uh, you were watching them, and I was saying, oh, I'm going to bed. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a, a burn two or three weeks ago on them. It's like, yeah, I'd forgotten how much fun this really is. It is. It is. So that was my my final thought of of things that I, I meant to mention earlier in the show. Well, all right. <laughs> so... I suppose that concludes the second annual Crises Awards. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, no, we're not going to talk about new comics this week because, Jesus, we're already at two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, besides, <laughs> that's a good thing about doing this show at this time of year. The new comics are kind of few and far between until after the new year. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, just one thing. Uh, yes, last year we had our friends of the show, Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks, on this show. They we're not available this week because we kind of sprung it on them at the last minute. But hopefully we can get them back on next year. Yes. Because that made a nice four-way argument. <laughs> Although the two-way argument has worked. And Christ, with four more people, I don't think we can make this show longer than it already is. No. So, All right. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All right. So, derp. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the pills are wearing off. All right. So, yeah. I'm not sure where you found this show, but you can always find us. At our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. We are certainly not doing nearly as much with Facebook as we should be, but fuck you, we're sick. <laughs> After we're done being sick, we'll try to do more. You can always certainly message us there, uh, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Our handle is at infinitemidlife. You can find us on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find the show on iTunes, and if that is your preferred way of consuming podcast media, <laughs> do us a favor and uh, shoot us a review. Give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Uh, we are also on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And no matter what, you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com, if only to tell me what a dope I am about Batman. <laughs> I miss anything? No, I think that's I think that's it. All right. Then that will do it. This has been uh, what episode a, 97. Episode 97 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show and the second annual Crises Awards. <laughs> I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp.